pretencioso y engrupido que tenés berretín de figurar niño bien te llevas dos apellidos y que usás de escritorio el ritmo en bar vanidoso la base de distinguido y siempre hablas de la estancia de papá mientras tu viejo paga ganarse el puchero todos los días sale a vender faina vos te crees que porque hablas de ti fumas tabaco inglés usas guantes aquí y te cortas la patilla a los Rodolfo sos un fifi porque usas la corbata carmín y allá en el chantecler las vas de bailarín y te mandas la viada de gomina te crees que sos un rana y sos un pobre niño bien que naciste en el suburbio de un bulín alumbrado a querosén que tenés pedigre bastante turbio y decís que sos de familia bien no notas que estás mostrando la hilacha y al caminar con tu aire triunfador se ve bien claro que tenés mucha clase para lucirla detrás de un mostrador vos te crees que porque hablas de ti fumas tabaco inglés usas guantes aquí y te cortas la patilla a los Rodolfo sos un fifí porque usas la corbata carmín y allá en el chantefler las vas de bailarín y te mandas la viaba de gomina te crees que sos un rana y sos un pobre uh -huh. nice choice hello, Adam hello hello, hello. hello. hola Thank hola you. you like that Yes, I'm glad uh, you went with one of the female singers. I, uh, you know, I thought it was appropriate for this show to go with female singers since we have Emiliano and <laughs> joining us later. Um, I think that makes sense. That makes sense, right? That was the logic behind it, not like having four other amazing women with us. What's going on? How you been? I've been good. I had an amazing time with the snowstorm. Yeah. Yes. Did you? Um. Well, I went for some walks and. How was know. the park, Prospect Park? It was interesting. There was um, lots of groups of kids. What are those Teletubbies? Those tel you know those Teletubbies? You ever heard that of tele sound, Yeah, no, I don't. Can you define what that was? That sounds so familiar, but I can't picture what it is right now. Colorful bear doll things. Okay. Everybody looks like Teletubbies walking around. I see. <laughs> it's so true. Sleds of their different colors, like their shields for their Teletubby shields. That's um, so funny. Yeah. Surprised to see some people jogging because it's kind of slippery out. Yeah. I actually saw a woman come with her snowboard and go down the cliff, which was amazing. A cliff? Just a little hill, I guess, not cliff. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a little tragic. Um, down a cliff. 
Uh, I saw a woman doing cross-country skiing. Yeah, I thought there might be people skiing. I remember when I moved to New York, people talking about like, wow, there was one winter that was so insane with the snow that people were like skiing down um, the avenues. Well, I'm hearing it was the biggest snowstorm, or at least the most at the same time. I don't know how you say that, but mm-hmm. in years, like in over 20 or 30 years. Yeah, no, I I think I've seen, I mean, you know my story, there has been a snowstorm like this, so it's definitely not 20, 30 years, I think, where everything was shut down. And I was so determined to get to work because I had never seen a snow, snowstorm like that. So I didn't think like things would be closed, trains would be shot. I was like, it's a work day. What do you do? You go to work. There is no snow day in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stepped out of the old place, the loft, and the street next to it is the one that runs by the train tracks. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking. I can barely walk because it's past my knee height. Of course, I don't have snow boots or any like normal snow attire. So I'm trying to like struggling and still like very determined. I walk half a block and I'm like, damn, this is work. And then I hitchhike the first car I see the van and he pulls over. He's moving very slowly. It was one of those like pickup trucks and I, he he, like slows down and stops and I like look through his window and I'm like Penn station. And he's like confused. He doesn't speak English, but he like, yeah, that way. And I'm like, I open the door and I get on. I'm like, do you mind driving me to the station? <laughs> and it's only like three blocks. <laughs> Which is only a few blocks, yeah. But it was took me a while to walk half a block. So then he's on the way, he's like, you know, nobody's going to work. And I'm like, really? It's okay. Worst case, I'll just come back home. And he's like, I'll wait for you. If the trains aren't running, I can drop you off. And I'm like, it's okay. I'll get be going back home. And it's okay if I'm like rolled all over the snow once I get home. But it was so funny. Of course, no trains were running again. I woke back and that what was I, that. Kind of amusing about our current snowstorm was that considering we've all been living as if there's been a blizzard happening since March. no there's one difference to a normal snowstorm though you don't have an excuse not to go to work or school because it snowed everything keeps going to remedy that situation you know the mayor can just be like oh schools have it's not like oh we're gonna call you uh snow day it's just like no remote school kids are so fucked now (laughs) (laughs) you can't you can't be like oh i can't make to the office you don't come in anyway (laughs) so i um i'm really excited about tonight's show for many reasons and for the guests that are all joining us and it really made me think sorry i i just jumped into this and i'm like oh it's because we have 25 guests I know we have like lots of guests, but no, it made me really think like, especially having people from different communities joining us, like how you and I, by 
doing tango as professionals for so many years, traveling to all different parts of U.S. together, we've become part of so many different communities and not just our own community. And I was like, just sort of going through all these communities where we feel really at home over the years and how it all started with probably Providence being the one, the first one, I would think. Because we would go there for New Year every year and now we started going there for work. Traveling for tango is like hanging out with other people's kids. Once you <laughs> give it back. <laughs> what, what, what? You were breaking up, sorry. I said traveling for tango is a lot like hanging out with other people's kids. Once you get tired of them, you just hand them back. Yes. <laughs> Very you go to true. a community and you stay for a few days and you're like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> um, but it's great. Like Philly, Penn State, Nebraska, Kansas, like places we've been to so many times. We've been to Pittsburgh over and over. Mm -hmm. uh, Philly, I don't know if I said that. I mean, it's amazing. I don't know. Well, the nice thing about, about this, but this, the nice thing is that you don't have to be a professional to do that. You, that's the great thing about tango. Everybody it's does it. It's true. It's just part of the culture. It's true. And that's like your Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon is like a amazing event for bringing people together. If I do say so myself. Yes, indeed, you can say so. Which it is we, the we best hope event. it's going to be back this summer. I think so. Yeah. I think we're going to do it. I think by July, end of July, should be okay. I miss Mahal's. I mean, I miss mm -hmm. everybody, but I miss that space with the bowling alleys and the amazing beer. Mm -hmm. And the space for dancing with those garage doors. My God. I miss just the whole environment of this place. Like just going from room to room and, you know, hanging out all day and dancing, bowling, drinking, eating, and then swimming. And what would really be the icing on the cake would be if like the upstairs was like a hostel or something where we could crash and shower. Yes, that's true. You know, that would that would be really especially cool. if you do something like I did one the first year that we were at Mahal's and we were playing bowling in between things, and I thought it'd be funny if I threw myself on the bowling alley. Well, little little did I know that it's all covered in oil. Do you remember that? Uh, which year was it? The first year. I... And I was like, oh my god, what is this? And you were like. You idiot! Don't, um, you, don't you know that's the reason bowls like can slide I vague, down? I vaguely remember a couple moments from like the third year, but that's about <laughs> all I remember from the bowling marathon. In fact, some people tell me I host the Tango Bowling Marathon in Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, check the website. Okay. <laughs> Look at the pictures to call in some memories, Adam. You were there. I know. I dressed up in many different costumes. Exactly. Exactly. 
Well, shall we call on our first guest? What do you think? Or you want to continue talking to lovely me? Well, I would love to, but time is clicking away. So let's let's get uh, Leandro and Emiliano in here Perfect. to discuss their yes. new project. Uh -oh. And you're echoing. Sorry, hold on. Sorry, hold on. All right, here we go. That was a nice intro, though. That was a very unprofessional segue. <laughs> Hola, Emiliano y Hola. Leandro. Hola. 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 Hola, hola, hola. Hola, Adam. Hola, chico. Hola. Hola, Leandro. Emiliano. Just to introduce you guys to the audience, Emiliano Messies and Leandro Benmargui, just... I don't know if that's how you say your last name, but I said it right, I'm <laughs> going to assume. Uh, joined us, one pianist and a historian that we're going to torture right now. Why? Welcome, Welcome I have a guys. Question. I have a question, guys. Yes. And um, I'm not sure if you've had much time to think about it, but I have this question that's been gnawing at me for 17 years. And the, wow. the question is, the question is, what makes tango tango? <laughs> Leandro has an answer. Emmy <laughs> knows it. Oh. Emmy's the one. What makes life life? What makes Why do they call life? a fish a fish? Exactly. That's, right? that's one that's really been getting on my nerves lately. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't know. We, we are trying to all right. <laughs> I don't know. We are trying to unpack that question because it's it's a, it's a great question, and I don't know. I hope we can do it. Amy does it wonderfully uh, from a musical standpoint. I try to do it. Of course, Leandro does it beautifully. Also, come on. <laughs> from a historical from, from the, standpoint. From yes. a historical, exactly. Yes. Well, I want to catch our listeners up. So. Starting yeah. on Friday, February 12th, and for the following three Fridays, so the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th, uh, Leandro and Emiliano will be giving a, a class, a lecture, a Q&A on the history and the music um, combined of what makes Tango Tango. So we asked you here tonight to discuss a little bit more about that to, to the listeners. And how, like, it came about. I know, like, it started at the strip club, I think, the idea, but, yeah. <laughs> we said we, we were not going to say that, but when, <laughs> since you mentioned it. You mentioned that? Um, yeah. Yes, so we were, yes, <laughs> trying to make a living in strip clubs, but we weren't that good, so <laughs> we guess it was better to go back to music and history. I heard about this story, actually. I heard you were playing music at a strip club one night, and all the dancers <laughs> kept saying, the dancers kept saying, hey, this is Tango, guys. And you were like, what the fuck is Tango? <laughs> and, they're like, and then the next night you go and you play again, and they're like, guys, really, look, you got to stop playing Tango while we're working here. And you're like, what is this Tango they keep talking about? So now we have a class. We're gonna figure it out. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole story. <laughs> but you know, that's actually how it happened. A bunch of guys together dancing tango in a strip club in Buenos Aires in the late 19th century. Mm -hmm. 
No, I'm That's kidding. True. It actually is like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Oh, dear. I'm looking forward to this, guys. Yeah, tell us more. Amy? Yes, well, uh, we... I would say just that we love to do it, basically. We love to do it. Um, uh, we are very good friends with Leandro for, for quite a long time, and, and and we basically decided that why don't we share this? Why don't we do it together? Because we, we start, you know, in the pandemic, we start having, I remember, we, I don't know if you remember, Leandro, of course you do, but um, we, we used to have these long conversations in uh, in our, I mean, I was in my fire escape, he was in his own fire escape, and we've been talking for like an hour, two hours. And then one day we were like, hey, why don't we actually share this? Because it's a really nice topic, and people will be interested to, you know, to share questions and answers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is how it started, and we basically enjoy to do it a lot. It's, we, we could talk just the two of us, but the, <laughs> the, the fun thing is then to, okay, let's invite more people, and let's you know, share this and have their questions and try to answer all of them and and share all these topics and subjects that we actually have been discussing for quite a long time in this beautiful pandemic we all are. That's amazing, sharing. though. I love, like, these sort of projects that's been coming up through the pandemic and hmm. anything that yeah. gets uh, inspired by a conversation between two friends and builds into a project. But actually, that was the question. It was like, you know, from like, there are so many different music genres. So what does it make tango tango different from others? (laughs) And Amy, who is a musician, I love listening to music and and I learned so much from Amy about appreciating music. And we were listening like different things like Stravinsky or Goran Bregovic. And, and I was like, that's tango, and Louis Armstrong. So I asked him uh, from a musical point of view, and Amy was working on his musical Bordello, which actually happens, it's situated in Argentina in the late 19th century, early 20th century. And I'm a historian, so we started like uh, thinking about that. So we came up with, with, with these great things, and, and Amy has a great explanation from a musical standpoint, I go back to the history of Buenos Aires and, and, and Argentina. I'm an urban historian and I have questions about society and culture. And I have this question about how is it that tango, a music from Rio de la Plata, becomes the national music of a whole country that goes to the countryside. Mm-hmm. And since I'm also in the United States, I also have questions about the musical industry, the cultural industry, the recording industry, jazz, Hollywood. We were listening to Tita Merello when you guys started the podcast. There is some Tita there uh, Mm -hmm. because it's about gender, social relations, how they change, why tango lyrics were the way they were, and was the African presence in tango. You know what I really, I really think has a huge effect on what makes tango tango is the Castellano, the way people speak Spanish in in Buenos Aires, specifically the mm. cadencia, the mm-hmm. it it affects the fraseo of the instruments, it it affects the totally. the I mean, there's you know you have the compas, you have the beat, you have the rhythm, whatever you want to refer to it as, and and you hear tango from 
Romania, you hear tango from Russia, you hear tango from, you know, Poland, but that, so the, 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 the instrumentation is not necessarily to me, it is part of what makes tango tango for sure, but, but what makes this tango so specific. And there's many, many other things, but I was just looking at the lyrics here to the, the, the song we played to start the show, Dino Bien. And I'm like reading the lyrics in my, you know, learning Spanish, and then I'm hearing it the way she sings it, you know, and there's just so much richness. And the way you guys play the music, it's it's like a blend of the way the street slang, and then there's like a jazziness about it. There's so many things. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, you're right. You, you don't need to go to come to the, to the seminar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a beautiful start point, and this is what it is exactly. I mean... You know what happened when you ask that question, and you can translate that question to any other topic, but when, when you ask yourself what makes tango tango, I feel like, you know, for you, you just said something like it's huge and it's very important, which is that, the, the cadencia or the phrasing or whatever you want to call it, but that's huge, definitely, and I agree with that. And then you mentioned instrumentation, and there is, you know, when you ask this kind of very open questions, uh, you start having, like, very interesting uh, words and subjects and answers from people and this is my idea it's uh, our idea I'm sorry it's to like organize all of that and try to mm-hmm. pass it through a filter and keep the ones that actually really really make a a big uh, explanation on what makes tango tango and make, makes a big reason on one but you just said it right and this is what happened I mean the, you know f- for those who travel to Buenos Aires and they saw how we speak and how the Argentinian, especially the Buenos Aires, the Porteño speaks, how he, the way he speaks, the way he moves his hands, the way the, his accent is and everything. And then you listen to tango and you're like, of course, that's that's where it comes from. But then you go to Naples, Italy, mm. and you also hear that. You're like, so what's mm. going on there? Well, you know, and this is when Leandro comes because it's all related and this is what, <laughs> what I love. It's music history all to all the time mixing to each other and I and this is something that I, I really, really enjoy. Yeah, it's amazing. So as a historian, Leandro, is like when you start researching something, what yes. are your sources? Like especially living here and you're researching something about your culture back there. Breitbart, Newsmax. <laughs> Google, Google. Google. <laughs> no, it's actually what, as a historian, what I do first, I, I look what others historians have wrote about that and see what the sources are. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Tango is that the, there are many things that have been said uh, by, by Tango specialists. And still, as a historian, it's like, where did you get that from? Yeah, is it a myth or is it really true? Because I mean, we hear a lot of stuff too. To, I am a historian, so I, I care about chronology. So yeah, I always heard, so tango goes to Paris and comes back and it's accepted. And I always wonder, what, like, was that immediately? What's going on? How? Right? I mean, like, I'm not convinced by that, just yeah. by that. So. Paris one morning and. Tango gets off the plane and everybody's waiting at the airport like, oh, Tango, we love you now. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Welcome so, back. I mean, probably there was something going on. And why is it that, you know, people in Paris or in New York love tango and not any other dance? So I, I have some hypotheses about that. Probably mm-hmm. it's that tango in Europe 
it's uh, it's exotic, and it's not that menacing because it's not that black compared in comparison to other dances and other cultures. Even though uh, the African roots of tango are very important, so I, I I think a little bit about that. Why I mean, Josephine Baker was very very popular, but still, you know, uh, when Tita Merello went to Europe, or even Gardel went to Europe. Uh, or Azucena Maizani, they were dressed like gauchos. So why were they asked to be dressed mm. like gauchos? And what does tango have to do with folklore? So those are some of the questions. And I don't know, one of the things that when I was in the sources, I was like, you know, before 1917, before this international uh, recording label didn't sign, uh, well, signed Gardel and Randazzo in 1917, before 1917, Gardel and Randazzo played tangos, but they played folklore catalogs. So they didn't even play just tango. Mm. So it's after that. And why is it that it's in 1917? And why is it in the 1920s? So there is a lot about you know the recording industry and recording labels arriving to Argentina, the role of local producers, how to compete with jazz. Mm-hmm. And at what point, you know, tango and jazz compete with each other? Why are tango typical orchestras called that way <laughs> when there was nothing typical about uh, orchestras? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that those are my historical questions. Right? That's what, really neat. Yeah. Why typical if there was no tango before? I mean, it was a music from the suburbs, from the orishas, from the marginal music. So what does it make it national? So it's the radio, it's the competition with... With jazz, but jazz, it's when you watch Argentine movies, it's <laughs> the, the music, it's jazz and tango. And jazz and tango was broadcasted, and people listened to all of that. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit about that history. And it's, yeah. there's a lot of content there. We, we put a lot of. Um, we have a question, but I don't want to go too deep with the questions because we they're, they're here to promote their seminar coming up, and we're going to ask all these questions then. But this is a very interesting question that Nate uh, wrote. Do you think we lost a lot of information about the transition of tango in the early 1900s because of the World Wars One and Two? Ooh, um, whew, that's, that's that's a good question, Nate. Nate, <laughs> ding 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 wins. Okay, sorry. Um, I don't I don't know about that. I, I mean, I think. Um, and, and this is absolutely respectful. A lot of the the, the, the history of tango uh, was produced by uh, tango experts. And I'm a historian who loves tango, but who do not come from tango. So it's like when you write the history of your community or your group or your union or your political party, sometimes you need historians that do not belong to the group to find the sources, to find the materials. So uh, about World War I and World War II, I, I don't know. To me, everything is there to be investigated and, uh, and to be not rewritten, but to, to, to have some new questions about that. I don't know if that answers or makes any sense, uh, the, the question. Um, I don't know if much has been missed during the wars. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I need to ask uh, yes no it is an interesting um, because you know all around the world every everybody was affected by I mean pretty much all the major countries at least were affected by World War one and two and 
And uh, I mean, Tango was, one could say Tango started and was also kind of affected negatively as well because of the wars too, you know? And it's also what caused the spread of Tango to, to, to immigrate to Argentina. So um, it's a big impact on, the, on, on not only Tango, but many, many other things around the world. I think a major, I'm, I'm, I'm like a sports fan. So like, I think a lot about like how sports were affected in those, during those years, like whether it was football world cup, you know, things or, or here in the United States with our things. Um, everybody's at war, you know, so we're, we're doing things differently. But for instance, the Caro travels to New Jersey, to Camden, New Jersey in the 1920s, mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, The, the recording company wants him to record with the technology available in the United States. And, and that's well the roaring 20s, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but we have information about that. And we know how much Dicaro loved jazz and how much traveling to the United States influenced him and how when he came back, he was trying to change tango from the old guard to the new guard. And, and, mm -hmm. and so that, that's beautiful to think about how they travel, how these are musicians with uh, uh, with curiosity, trying to learn, trying to uh, understand what's going on and trying new things. So to me, as a historian, that's the day by day of the history of tango, uh, mm -hmm. how, how, it changed, how it changed all the time according to the circumstances, how for tango singers it was so important that a recording producer will give them royalties. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the making of a tango singer or a, or a tango star. And, but yeah, but in the world, um, we work with, with images, with Amy, with, with Valentino uh, dancing and his attire. And those are all amazing questions about society and culture in Europe, in New York, in Argentina. So the, the point is not to think that tango is there in Buenos Aires, but It's, it's there, but it keeps changing all the time. Mm -hmm. And Lunfardo and the lyrics, when is Lunfardo accepted in the newspapers? When is that, who are the writers that write in Lunfardo? Um, the, 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 the cultural uh, literacy groups that, that mm -hmm. are part of mainstream Argentine culture. And you don't have to know about Argentine culture because these are things that are happening across the world at the same time. Sorry, me, I'm, I'm talking too much, you know that. I love it. No, no, I love it. I'm listening and I'm, I'm having my Argentinian wine next to me also is listening <laughs> to you guys. Um, well, Chico has a question for Emmy, and then yes. we're going to... And I love, Barbara, I love your question. How do you yeah, think the pandemic will change Tango's history? But I would actually like to save that question for the next segment when, when we have our other guests on. I would like to discuss that with you guys because you all coming on the show next are organizers and community builders... And um, I think that question might um, affect us more in that, in that role. So I would like Chico to ask her question to Emmy before we address that and other also, question. I want to clarify something that the seminar that uh, Emiliano and Leandro are doing is there's the task question and answer segment where all these sort of questions you will be able to ask ahead of time so that they can actually put more Uh, work if they need to look into things or if they already know they will share with us but um, and it will maybe divert especially the last class in different direction that it might go um, 
with a different group. So it's really nice that the group gets to form the way the conversation goes, as well as what they have prepared for us. And I love that factor about it. Um, so Emiliano, I was going to ask you yeah. that for you, since you're a musician and a composer and arranger, these concepts that you're covering without going into what they are, what makes tango tango, did that clarify more for you um, composing and arranging or by playing the music? Well, uh, that's a really interesting question. Thank you. And I will say that uh, both, definitely. And I will say that this is a question that without knowing, I asked myself when I, when I started playing tango, which was when I was in my 20s, early 20s, uh, two years because, ago yes two years three years ago because um that's that's the thing i mean uh, in one of in one of the the, the seminars we, we gave with leandro somebody asked that exactly like what what is the most difficult thing to for you as a as a performer to 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 it was to, for you to play you know and this question was made by another pianist who never played tango so Clearly, mm. she wanted to know what's the secret, or what what is in order in order to make it sound like tango. What what is that secret? Well, and this is the thing. I feel like without knowing, this is what any musician who wants to uh, start playing tango is asking to him or herself because that's the that's where the secret comes, kind of like. And and you you need to okay, I want to sound like tango. What do I need in order to sound like tango? What what does a tango player, in my case, I'm a pianist, so what does a pianist who plays tango sound like? What does he or she do in order to sound like that? And then as a composer, exactly the same, or, or as an arranger, like if I want to write a new, a compose a new tango or arrange differently an old tango or traditional, what do I have to do in order to make it sound like tango? Uh, so I feel like uh, definitely, yes, I mean, it change my 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 view and every you know teaching is learning a lot so whenever we are always uh, giving the classes uh, all these questions that appear are so interesting and we always come up with new new subjects to talk and new new very interesting ideas in my case as a musician i keep building all these beautiful questions and answers that mm -hmm. you know it keeps opening and opening and this is when yeah. you realize it that every every style actually has that uh, uniqueness, mm -hmm. right? If you you could ask what makes jazz jazz or what makes rock and roll being rock and roll. So in in our case, because we love tango, we want to go deeper and be like, okay, from a musical point of view, there is so many things like the ones that Adam mentioned and many others, and and then from a historical point of view. So definitely, I would say that in my case, yeah, it affects as a pianist, as a arranger, as a composer, like any any of those. Uh, subjects in, in in my career differently. Mm -hmm. And if I may add very, very quickly, one of the questions that we are going to make is that what does tango means to you? Because it's this universal language that we can go to any place in the world and go to any milonga in any town in the world and we might not even speak Spanish or understand the lyrics or lunfardo and still 
two people from different races, different places, different languages can embrace and dance together. Mm-hmm. So that fascinates me. What is it about tango that can produce that? And what does it, uh, what does tango mean to you? And to me, that's the answer of what makes tango tango as well. Mm-hmm. Tango yeah. is everything that you feel when dancing, listening, uh, reading tango. Yeah, I was going to, I wanted to touch upon that briefly, but I said before how the language has a lot to do with the way people speak. That is not just the language, but there's, you know, as well as um, just all those other nuances that, that are just, you can't put it on a sheet. You can't, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't teach it in necessarily a class, but you experience it and um, in all these different ways. And that, and that, is what you know for lack of a better way to say it is what makes it yeah something something that happened i'm sorry go ahead no i I also just like what you said about opening doors because i love when i take classes and i love when i give classes when it's not like i'm here to give you answers but we're here to guide and 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 come up with more questions you know and give us more things to consider and look into you know because we're we, we we can't limit art with an answer, we have to we have to figure out how to keep it growing, you know, through these sort of facilitations. Like, yeah, we know a lot more than we may know more or less than our students or whoever, but so we're the teacher. But but at the same time, we're facilitating the growth by by having these discussions. Yeah. So probably the answer to what makes tango tango is passion. <laughs> I think that's going to be different for everyone. I think what makes tango tango is that you come to their seminars starting <laughs> on February. 12th and you get this discussion rolling with Emiliano and Leandro. Thank you guys. We, so will, put the, we will put the link in the show notes as well. It's, it's on Facebook as well. Um, Emiliano, did you have something to say you were about to and then no, I, no. Talking, so. I, I, regarding what Adam was saying, I thought it's very interesting how like 10 or 15 years ago or maybe almost 20 years ago um, in the in music, actually, there was nothing really written. It was very hard to, uh, if if you you know wanted to play tango and and you wanted to look for books or anything, there's there was nothing like there was no actually a way of learning how to play or or secrets to tango. Now things change so much nowadays. We have so much books, and of course, in YouTube you have tutorials of people who explain you how to make the sound of the chicharra or whatever effect that in tango the violins player and you know there's there's such a big change from i remember myself when i was studying the only way you could do is to find a an old tango player who will just show you because sometimes they they wouldn't even being able to explain you and i think in dance happens quite the same right but i i rather you guys tell that but in, in the case of the music that was something so interesting how at some point they started realizing that and they you know, they, they start doing these documentaries and, I don't know, you know, Café de los Maestros, this movie that that was made in order because they realized, okay, we need to document all these amazing musicians who are very old and we don't want to lose them and we want them to explain us how to make this possible, how to play, how to sound like tango. So this is something that actually years and years ago started happening because mm-hmm. there was nothing uh, from where you could actually learn the style. Nowadays, we are in a different, completely different situation, but even still, it makes it very, in my opinion, very interesting to 
to try to learn and to see all these secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to wrap our this portion of the show, but I, I want to comment on this. You know, when you I want to keep talk talking about, too. It's well, you, to you you mentioned, and I want to bring in our next guests and continue this conversation with them too, because uh, all of our friends joining us shortly are organizers who who've been dancing from the same time period when when you're talking about like when I started dancing tango, my reference was like uh, an orchestra called like Rail, Rail Tango. I forget the name of it, and then like. Forever, um, sorry, the Tango Lesson and um, Carlos Saura's movie uh, called Tango. Tango. And, you know, you go to the library and there's like a book about tango, like a woman wrote a story about going to Argentina and hanging out with a bunch of guys. I mean, there there was no, (laughs) there was nowhere to start. I mean, there's nothing like, oh, this is what, you know, and and now, you know, there's a podcast, there's several podcasts. There's there's sheet music for the first time ever, you know. There's there's like a history, I mean, a modern history, I should say, and and a quantified historical perspective as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Toro Tango, you have, you know, these things that when we were all getting started, you're just like, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I lead her to the cross on the, on the fifth, and then yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like totally. So and it's gonna. I'm curious. Um, Barbara uh, posed this question earlier, like, how do you think this pandemic will change Tango's history? But I mean, everything is changing it all the time. I'm. I would be so curious to like, you know, know what it would be like to start learning either how to play tango music now or dance now. Mm-hmm. even compared to 15 years ago or 10 years yeah, ago because there's so much more information accessible now. And also, totally. like, besides all the documentation and all this is that you're saying, Adam, there's also a lot of memoirs out there mm-hmm. of people that are sharing their experience of entering into this world from their perspective, which I think is also very interesting that it's not just historic uh, documented information. It's something that is lived more recently than the past, but it's also opening uh, and answering questions about what tango is for their personal experience. And so I, I, all of that makes tango, tango. Sorry, Chico. And I think on that note, we should segue into our next segue. portion of the show. So everybody who has now all these questions for Emiliano and Leandro, join the classes starting next Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, it's going to be great. We want to thank you guys for coming thank here you. to thank discuss you. more it's about it. Amazing. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. much and be ready to s- guys. <laughs> and be ready to see Emiliano dancing live. I will. I will. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought that was a secret, Leandro, but there, since you mentioned, yes, I'll be dancing. Yes, they will be, they will be Zoom classes for those of you listening. The magic is to see you dancing. Thank you guys so much. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much. Have a good night, guys. Thanks Bye. 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 I want to mention one more thing about the seminar, guys. It, you have to register for all three weeks because of the continued topic. And it's because it's a Friday evening. We thought it would be nice to wind down together. And so bring your dinner, bring your drink. Hungry Man TV dinner. join at the end of your week. Uh, and also fun. and Adam and I will be there since we're organizing them. And also if you can't make all three weeks, we will be storing the classes on the Zoom cloud so you can access them. So even if you pay for all three and you know you can't make all three, they will still be at your disposal. So you will get your money's worth. Um, what time? 
Eight o'clock, Sharon. Eight, Eight to nine thirty p.m. Fridays, February twelfth, nineteen, and twenty-six. Yes. Um, so we have four people waiting to join us. Four amazing ladies. And we have a contest for the first person to call in on four. You win a special pro. Oh, Pooja. <laughs> of course. Hello. Hello. Oh, Hi. we're getting there. We're getting there. Who's <laughs> That's me. Candies, candies. We're going to call her Ruby. Call me Ruby. They just gave it to me. It was just a randomly assigned. No, I actually name. named you. you don't yeah, Ruby. Ruby, no. Because I feel like I'm roofied when I'm with you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're going to have to interpret that. Yeah, I'm sorry. She doesn't want her, She doesn't remember anything afterwards, apparently. Yeah, I do crazy shit and then I remember. <laughs> oh, I have that effect, huh? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember Oh, that. God. And now we have a redhead in the house. Hey, Catherine. Hello, hello. You just like, I can't believe you just took that name. I mean, there's more than one redhead here. Really? But apparently, apparently not. Apparently she you're the one. She is the redhead. No, sorry, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I am no longer the redhead. The redhead. The oh, that, redhead. There, there we go. I could write that. I could be the redhead, yeah. Are we here at tea? I'm I hear just... tea. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm making tea, tea sorry. No, don't be <laughs> sorry, time. but just do time. share, please. Make some for all oh, of us. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Barbara, are you... Uh, maybe, she's on... maybe she's looking for her earbuds. She was so listening Adam, in. Adam, mm -hmm. I have to tell you that, mm -hmm. you know, when we have guests, teachers come to our community, it's like having the neighbor kids over too. Because when we get tired of them, we can send them home. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, I missed some of that. I oh some... no, okay. Uh, I was somebody's listening... making some noise, I can't. I okay. it's not me. Um, I was saying that having guest teachers come to our community is like having the neighborhood children come to our house also. Uh, when we get tired of them, we can tell them to go home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the only good. thing is, is you get paid for it, and you get to go home with money in your pocket. So. <laughs> That's true. I listen to everything. So, are you guys enjoying the snow, huh? Oh my God! Yes. It's like Chico. I loved uh, your video. Remembering today. how to feel like a kid all over again is always pleasurable. And that's why I also like doing aerial yoga, contact improvisation. All of that takes me back to being five to 12 years old, and I love it. I never yeah. struck you as somebody who ever forgot how to be a, a kid. <laughs> I don't think I do. It's just I find home and <laughs> a lot more people like me at these instances. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of snow here in Nebraska as well. You do? Oh my goodness, yes, a lot. We had in one night we had over a foot all at once. Uh, the whole town shut down practically. So no, we had a lot, and then it got warm today. It was like forty degrees, and everything's melting. 
I know 40 degrees is not that warm, but it's warm enough to melt all the snow. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited that it's going to be 40 tomorrow here in New York as well because we've got, a, we've got so much snow. It's crazy. Um, I wanted to introduce you ladies for a moment and then get the ball rolling, get the discussion rolling. And also I, I enjoyed what we were speaking about uh, with Emiliano and Leandro just before. And I wanted to get your take on, on a few things as well. Um, so where do we start? Um, well, we have Candy here from the, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and you've been running three classes a week, uh, one of which was at, is at the University of Nebraska. And then you do, you have yes. a monthly milonga. And how did you get connected with the university? I knew you were going to ask that. We, um, one of my <laughs> students, yeah, I was running through all the questions you might ask. You'll probably ask something that I have no clue how to answer. Um, one of one of my students was a, 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 a student, and he, he asked if we could get something started. So we did. And we, we, it was just this last year, so we, had, we hadn't done it for, for very long when the COVID hit. So oh, so it was just getting just started. Get, yeah, it was just getting started. Because our, our friend Barbara has been running the, who's going to be calling us shortly, she's been running the community in Penn State for over, probably over 12 years now. Um, but I like that each... Well, she's been running clubs since 1996. Well, that's over 12 years, I believe, Chico. That's We've been going there for 12 years and then anything after that is off my radar. So, you know, <laughs> so now we that. Yeah, that's right. We, yes. We matter because you've been coming here, right? You remember us because of that. No, I remember, <laughs> you know, I remember. Okay, whatever. I remember all of you for other reasons as well. I remember you're your dancing in your boots in Kansas City probably oh 10 years ago or, or longer as well. So, you know. Oh, my yeah. God. That, that was, was the first time we my... met you. Yeah, that was – no, it was it was earlier than that because I do remember when I bought those. Those were my moccasins. Mm. I met you guys at Spring Fling uh, when Janie Smith organized it, and we, we were dancing over near the railroad yards. Yeah. And uh, we, we had those big, huge pillars in the middle of the floor we had to dance mm -hmm, around. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah. And then I think I, I uh, that was like my second year dancing. What, I hadn't been dancing very long. Mm. And yeah, and then I did buy those crazy moccasins that I would dance in. I loved those things. Those were so comfortable. I know, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, we love you for it. So we're also joined by Pooja, oh, yeah. who I love your description of produce you you know we asked each of you to send us a brief description so we could you know organize a little bit and i love what you wrote as a puja as a social dancer and describes herself as a producer of tango experiences and um mm. just changing those verb that 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 adjective is like like a really interesting way to put it and um i don't know yeah, I, like <laughs> I wanted you to tell me a little bit more about what what what, what inspired that, and, and I just want, want to steal it. By the way, this is you know part of the reason we did this podcast. If you you know obviously Pooja, you've listened a lot. Like we had this a long time ago. I think Gusti was like, "You guys just do this to steal from other people," and I'm definitely doing that. I'm gonna definitely steal that. Because I uh, yes. I love that, that description. So please continue. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I put it out there so people could take it and use it if they wanted to. I think there's like two words in there that I really have tried to change. One, from an organizer to a producer, and secondly, from like events to experiences. And I think um, in terms of producing, it's because I feel like I do a lot more than, than organizing necessarily. I think all of us do, you know, we, we also market. For some of us, we were also true. financing it up front. And sometimes yeah, that works true. out, sometimes that doesn't. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what a producer does. Um, in my case, I feel like I wear so many different hats. And, and it's not just organizing. It's like so much more than that. And I think that uh, that should be recognized um, for, for people to have an appreciation of what they're getting. And then secondly, I also don't think of my events as events, but as experiences. There's usually a lot more going on than just like one event or one concept. And I really want it to be a more holistic experience. So I think of them that way instead of as events. Yeah, I mean, we had Oliver on the show back in September. I think Chico was away for that one. And he's, you know, he produced a um, something and he produced the the video, the the biography of, of Leandro Androver and with Meredith Klein in Philadelphia. This the show, I should say, not the biography. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, you know, Oliver, you've been producing all these things your whole life, and he's like, well, you're a producer too. And when he called me that, I felt like I just like got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> I do produce things, don't I? You know, it's just a nice, it's just a nice way to say. And then you know, and then create experiences instead of like organize events. You know, it's just it's a great way to put it. Um, it, I feel like it, it broadens the creative mind approaching it, you know, when you, when yeah, you word I it that way. And yeah. And I mean, I think Catherine actually came to Crusadizo and Chico has been to like the El Gachibacha experience. And I think in both cases, like they would probably tell you the same thing. It probably wasn't really just like a an event. I hope it felt like an experience to them too. So it's kind of fortuitous that they're both here and hopefully they can back me up on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was, that was phenomenal. I was so um, excited to be part of that project. That was, it was so unique in so many ways. And you, you brought such amazing teams uh, and I'm going to apologize, but we were talking about the Kachivache being in Austin weekend, right? Because um, yep. I was at the same time texting with Barbara to make sure she was okay, trying to get on. Um, and double tasking is not my, or multitasking is not my forte. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that project was amazing, Puja. Yeah. And we. I have to agree with you. Well, let me just introduce Catherine Sorry. briefly because we're, we're on that chain of events. Catherine Young is visiting us here from Madison, Wisconsin. She is also a experienced creator of Tango Productions. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're going to use that a lot. I love it. <laughs> um, and you also mentioned in your in your description that you travel a lot to other communities to connect and learn and share your love of Tango. And, and Chico and I were talking before the program about uh, that specific topic, like how traveling enriches you as well as bring something back that can help enrich your community yes and we were talking about going into that with you guys and now we got your email we were like well she's already on that uh, <laughs> welcome Catherine. <laughs> well well 
Yeah, welcome. I, I to just make a comment about what Audrey said about uh, Cruzadito is that yeah, it. I, my sense of that event was that um, Puja set sort of set the table uh, for other people to come and and create. I mean, there were a bunch of different you know art activities and there were art installations that we could look at, but to me to also sort of tag along with something that I think it was um, uh, Emiliano said in the, the previous segment about talking about performing is that to me, social tango, the, the performing, if you want to call it that, is happening between the partners on the floor. And so to mm-hmm. create a tango experiences to, is to facilitate, is to sort of fill the swimming pool, to quote my partner Craig, to fill the swimming pool and then ha- let everybody come and swim. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in their swimming, they, they complete it. They, they, they finish it. It exactly. becomes what it is going to be because of the people who come and, and share and, and exactly. add that energy. Yeah. It always reminds me that one movie with uh, an actor I don't like so much, but uh, he feels a baseball field. And yeah. he's like, they will come, and if that's like it, when it will finish. They will come. build it. They if will you come. build it, they, they will come. come. You don't like Kevin Costner? Everything we do. What the fuck? I can't stand Kevin Costner and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> well, Nicolas Cage is another story, but anyway, anyway. Okay. I mean, certain things with that's Kevin Costner I like. It's okay, yes. I, in that movie, I love Barbara's it. here. But, Hello, yeah. Barbara. Anyway. Hello, Barbara. Hello. Hello. So Hello. we've been introducing our guests, and you came just in time. I'm going to give you a brief introduction, and you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Barbara has been our tango mommy in State College, Pennsylvania, since yes. um, 2008 <laughs> or nine, I believe. And she, 2009, yeah. We go, we go like six times a year, sometimes four times a year, depends. And we stay with Barbara, and we hang out with Barbara, and we have a lovely time with Barbara. And she sent us her. So she runs uh, the undergraduate dance club, uh, which is multiple dance styles, not just tango. She's kind of like the umbrella of it all. Um, and she she lets the kids, you know, take ownership of their roles, but she's also there, driving them from here to there, and and bringing them music and and helping them out. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, that, that experience, Barbara? Yes. Um, <laughs> I also bring candy. I was going to say, really you're out here. You're out here. I bring music to the tango lessons. I DJ you're the tango lessons. bring ice cream to the parties. <laughs> you host Milongas at your house. Yeah, you basically do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, you know, your questioning of me had, has made me take, turn around and take a look at myself and say, well, what am I doing that's right? <laughs> what, what, what is working here? And I think, that there, I think that there are a number of unique factors here. One is that um, we're at Penn State University. This is fundamentally an undergraduate club, although we welcome everybody, even people as old as I am are welcome. Um, and but we're in a very we're in a relative a comparatively small town for a huge university. Because it's a university, it means that people are 
coming, staying, and then leaving. There's this constant mm -hmm. flow of different waves of people. And I'm, I'm just thinking why, you know, I've been the advisor of the club since 1996. And I'm wondering why has it all, it's only because you asked me to, to contemplate what's been going on here um, and what my role is. Um, I think it's, I think that there is less opportunity for dueling societies to emerge within the tango community because there's this constant um, change of people. It's not like um, the same people are here for 20 years. Right. <laughs> Although some of them are. So we did have a um, part, part of it is that I do not have a competitive personality, which may be why I'm so enamored of tango because it's such a cooperative dance. Um, but we did have someone who wanted to start her own tango uh, community downtown. But the thing is, our community is, you know, is in this valley here. We're all together. So I simply um, agreed that she could use our email mailing list to announce her events. And she was happy because she thought that, you know, she, this was her special territory. Mm -hmm. And I was happy because all, all the people who attended her event also attended the events on campus and they thought it was all one big thing. Well, I wanted mm. to touch on that with everybody here because um, it's hard to share the wealth in smaller communities. And I'm curious, yeah. I'm curious to be honest, as female organizers, how you guys feel or ladies feel or however you want to put it. And then about, what the you know, like, do you feel you're, it's more competitive because of that. And also what is it just like as in, as an organizer in a smaller community, do you feel you're trying to keep, you know, your people or, or is it, is there a sharing going on or, or how do you? Um... Yeah. Is it supportive uh, as much of female organizers and teachers as it is of, male and also like adam said maybe not competitive but what are the challenges that you found over the years uh i'll i'll jump in uh in this is catherine and madison probably about eight years ago i i was i think the first woman in madison who was teaching you know we had been in a, the community for quite a long time had been sort of dominated by male instructors, as well as just sort of, you know, really high powered uh, visiting teaching couples and that kind of thing. And when I started teaching, it, for me, it was because I felt that there was a huge need for followers. Uh, I mean, women who were choosing to, to dance the followers role, um, there was a huge need for them to feel addressed equally and not yes. just as sort of props in the lessons yeah. for the, the yes. leaders to like, well, do <laughs> so this good. with her and do that with her and put her over here, as well as have a, a, um, a, a woman that they could go to if they needed to talk about some of the sort of interpersonal um, or, uh, you know, discomfort dynamics that they might feel in the social milieu of the Malanga 
And so I wanted to be for other women in my community, the kind of person that I wished had been available to me. And, and, you know, it wasn't overt, but there was, I could feel some pushback from some of the older, more established men in the community when I started encouraging followers to, for instance, um, do things like break tanda if someone was rubbing their back or teaching them on the dance floor or encouraging the followers to, um, you know, be more proactive in their dancing and try to look at it as a collaboration. There was there was a small amount of, of, of pushback on that, mm-hmm. I experienced. I believe it. I can imagine. I'm I so inspired by you, Catherine. I love hearing you talk about that. That's so good. <laughs> uh, I kind of had a similar experience. Uh, and this I is Rufi when... speaking. Candy, Candy from Nebraska. <laughs> Candy from Nebraska. <laughs> Man, that's going to stick with me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fun. Um, I I remember when I, whenever... I realized that I wanted to, to start organizing or, or start doing more than just just dancing, which is, I mean, I loved dancing. Um, I had to start leading, too. I realized I needed to start leading because mm-hmm. there was some music that wasn't going to be played. I, I remember that I loved Milonga. Milonga was my favorite. Mm-hmm. and But there weren't a lot of people in our community that liked Milonga. So, mm-hmm. um the one person who was playing some music maybe didn't play it as much. And what? I said, forget this. This is not going to, no, this is not going to happen. So I learned how to lead. And um, that meant that we, since we're a small community, we were actually different. We had fewer women than we had leaders. So that just put another leader in the competition. And that wasn't looked on very favorably by the other leaders in the community. Um, and I actually had one, one guy one time, actually, I, I might get in trouble for saying this, but he actually came out and, and interrupted the Tonda because there were no other women to dance with. What? And, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I just stopped and I asked my partner, I said, do you want to dance with me or do you want to dance with him? And she said, I want to dance with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we finished. Yes. But it was, that is- I mean, <laughs> go ahead. It was frustrating. It was like, it was just, it was just frustrating. So, oh yeah, I had leaders when I started like that. Yeah. When I started leading socially, there were some leaders who tried to intimidate me. They were very Mm -hmm. passive aggressive to me when I was leading socially in my community. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Hello, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello, ladies. Adam. I love. I love. You're a little loud. I don't know if you're able to control that. Okay, I will try now. If not, if not, you know what we will do. We'll. uh, No, no, no! Don't do it. That don't do it. There, better. (laughs) Better, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if if you know everybody that's here with us: Barbara, Candy, um, Catherine, and Pooja. Catherine, I think I know. Puja, I know. I don't know the rest of the yeah, ladies. Bar- Barbara, you met in our classes uh, at the Tango and Con. Oh, my Lord, Barbara. Hi. <laughs> Hola. Hola. <laughs> I didn't recognize you. You're really tiny there. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I needed to jump. 
I love the story of the you asking to the lady if he she wanted to dance with the guy. That showed this, yeah, this new cool. era of of consent. Simple. Yeah. Simple yeah. and yeah. easy. Yeah. Give the power, the power to the woman to choose what she want to do. Well, she wouldn't have said yes if she didn't want to. So, I, exactly, hopefully. it was the smartest way to deal with the yeah. situation. It never happened again. Yeah, that's embarrassing. There's one thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to smaller communities that I've traveled to a lot. It's the idea that you know we need everybody we can get because our community is so small. Mm. And I've seen, I know I've had this conversation with some of you here. Sorry, Chico, let me turn it um, That there's people in the community that are not the most pleasant. And you're like, and I hear like, well, yeah, but we need everybody we can get. Um, so do you feel like there's a trade-off <laughs> You feel there's pressure also that way. You know, do you I want think, this person think, here just because you need more people? I think there, there's a lot of things you have to ask yourself. How tough are you to deal with situations? How, uh, I think it's probably the best you can do is just try to work with everybody the best you can and if they don't want to do that then you you have two choices you can keep doing what you're doing or you can choose not to and i know that seems really simple i've had my struggles and um and i look back and i wish i had handled some things differently and then i look at and i wish i had had been stronger in other areas hmm. but um, it's all live you know, and learn I, right so I mean, you also need to give yourself that. You need to allow yourself the time to learn that and that, yeah, you could have done yeah, it we're, better, we're but now human. you know. We are, we're all human and we're, we're not, I don't think anybody here makes a whole lot of money doing it. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, maybe. I don't know, Catherine, you probably make all kinds of money. <laughs> no, so, no, but so, you know, but I, I think there's a, an important, yes, yes. But I think there's an important point to be made about ownership of the community by the community, which yes. is that, that, you know, communities, um, you know, they're, they're, they are organisms. And, you know, for instance, somebody was talking about communities, um, was, I think it might have been Barbara was talking about communities, you know, having smaller factions. And, and the community that I'm in, there are probably four different teachers, and there are definite malongas that are, uh, you know, uh, frequented by one crowd of people and another crowd of people don't go to different malongas. And there's a certain amount of sort of balkanization in that regard. But overall, there is also, um, there has been for a while, and it'll be interesting to see what happens once the pandemic is over, because I think a lot of communities are going to be rebooting. You know, they're going to uh -huh. kind of be maybe redefining themselves from scratch. And so certain power struggles and dynamics that were present before COVID may not be there anymore. Maybe they'll be more exacerbated. But yeah. I think that it is, it, it is always really a, um, it, it's a tough it's a tough situation in communities where certain kinds of actors and, and bad actors, yes, bad faith actors yes. are tolerated 
simply to keep, you know, to keep people in the community. And I know in my community, there are a number of followers who have very specifically tried tango and left because they were so, so turned off by some of the, um, the sexism and the misogyny that for many leaders seem to just be built into their iteration of the dance. And it yeah. was supported by other community leaders. Uh, here, like I want to also share what Nate wrote, which I completely agreed also. So he says, teaching followers to have tango self-defense is a great way to get rid of bad leaders in the community. And I don't want to call them bad leaders. Or I, I like how you called it, Catherine, some bad actors, because it's not about the leading quality. Yeah, it's, it's about, about the, the um, personality yeah, yeah. more than and like... yes. Um, and on that, I also want to bring Pooja into this conversation because uh, she's had some challenges. Um, one, as a female organizer, too, I am sure, but also by the uniqueness of her events that she's gotten uh, a lot of resistance in certain communities that she's worked with. And I think like all of us through time learned that not everybody needs to like us. As yeah. long as we're passionate yeah. <laughs> about what we want and what we want to give, uh, our crowd will find us and the rest can find a different crowd. But uh, Puja, would you like yeah. to share some of your experience on that? Absolutely. Thanks for the question, Chico. And, and actually, I, I want to tie back what a lot of people have said already. I mean, Candy, I think what you said about like really figuring out who you are and like what you want is important as a starting point because you won't be able to build it as long as you're listening to a lot of other people. Like there was a point in time where with one of my events, I was working with someone else and our values or our like desires for things were clashing with one another. So I ended up actually taking on, as Adam was talking about before, like, do we really need everyone? In my opinion, no. In the other person's opinion, yes. So like I did have to deal with some behaviors and things that I didn't want to. And so I changed tact the following year and was like, you know what, maybe it'll be a lot more work, but it's better to potentially work alone, which not just being a female, but also somebody who's not like part of a couple is sometimes hard for people to understand, like, what is this person mm -hmm. doing in tango? They're not a, a, a couple that's teaching or performing. It's just an individual person. And on top of that, I really don't teach. So it's like I'm just doing something so out of the ordinary and out of the box that I think it's confusing and difficult for people to accept right away. And so I would call myself like an acquired taste. I'm not expecting everybody to like me right away, but hopefully if they see me enough times, come to enough of my events, see what I'm trying to do and the like longer term vision I have, hopefully they want to come along on the mm. journey. And it's I not always that. about that particular moment, but just like the long term. Yeah, I feel like and yet trying to please people, trying to please everybody, um, you know, you kind of become a victim in a way. Because mm -hmm. then everybody's after you. It's like, you, 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 and you, you kind of give them that, that um, permission. Permission, you, permission. You, you, Yeah, exactly. And, well, and if you just, you know, say like, you know what, this is what I'm doing. If you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to come. Um, and the reality is... Yeah. And the reality is when you try to please everyone, you really end up pleasing no one. It is impossible because most yeah. of the time there will be people in the room who have divergent views about everything. And 
you you physically can't please everyone because what somebody and likes, not, somebody else doesn't like. And not only that, you're not pleasing yourself. So right. At the end of the day, you yeah, have which to is the worst? Yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, at I, the same t- Sorry. No, go ahead. At the same time, I want thank you. I want to to point. It's not that suspicious when somebody is really pleasing. For me, as a South American, I can tell when somebody is so pleasing and so nice and and everything is so like full of good vibes. I suspect that he wants to sell me something, or he wants something. Mm-hmm. He has an agenda before ahead that is trying to manipulate and and, and take them as uh, the trust as an advantage. This is what I learned. How do you think about that? I think that's an interesting point, Marcelo, because I, I do see where you're coming from, but I also feel like it's important to to reinforce that kind of good behavior. And I think like when you are in your crowd, you will naturally be able to please everyone and that's fine. Like I, I would like to think that the people who do come to my events or do come and uh, work with me on the various types of projects I have, we have great synergy and it's not hard for me to please them because we have that. Mm. And I would hate for them to be suspicious of me because I'm being kind to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I think that it is about identifying who you are and then like finding more people who maybe share that and then it actually becomes easier for you and for them and that there's nothing wrong with that ease either right like i think there's a old proverb of some sort to like go where the water flows it, it should be easy mm-hmm. and like it, it'll be it will be if it's like the right thing for you and for well, other and i think what you're what you're saying is you're defining your culture right so what's going to happen is you're creating a culture that people will identify with and now mm-hmm. that's their culture and yeah, the the, the events that I, yeah the events that I have attended ha, that have been the most enjoyable for me have been events or you know tango experiences that were created and facilitated by someone who had a very strong vision for what what they wanted to present and I think that for instance Pooja. People, I, I think tango really needs people like you who maybe aren't teaching and who maybe aren't engaged in some of the other activities associated with tango, but who have a gift and a real talent for creating an ambiance that's welcoming, that encourages people to participate and to bring themselves and feel comfortable to be there. You know, all the events that I've been to that, that have felt like that have, oddly enough, been organized by very... Uh, by women with with very strong visions. Yeah, I think that maybe the word that I'm looking for in this uh, this idea is one thing is a pleaser, another is a, a kind person. A kind person is yeah. what, is what I hear. Uh, like yeah. take care of the places, but at the same time, it's not like pleaser saying yes to everything. Because another way, what happened is that allow these bad apples, we can call it, guys that arrive and allow them to, to stay and without put them boundaries neither. So that is just because they want to make money or want to make it like a big community. The idea for me is the right balance between to be kind and, and welcoming and other is just to be a pleaser to make money or to to create a bad, a bad agenda, if I make sense what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the one problem is if your community is so small, that you have a hard time getting enough. Our community is so small that so sometimes we had enough 
had problems getting enough people to to sign on and attend things to be able to do it. Well, I wanted to, to just create your own thing. I wanted to bring this back to Barbara because she's, as she mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and somebody has a uh, needs to check the microwave because your your tea's done or whatever's cooking in there. I don't know. I hear a beeping. <laughs> It's um, not me. It's Barbara. Me. I'm still here. Not me neither. Barbara, not me because you know, I'm... We've, we've experienced your... We've come to your community so many times, and as you said, it's... You know, I, I want to I give a vision, an illustration for everybody. Like, imagine we go to... Uh, we go to Penn State, and we go to a gymnasium on a Friday evening, and there's 60 kids there. And I mean kids. You know, they're undergrads. And we teach some classes for three hours, two hours, and Barbara's there, of course, and she's been dancing for, I don't know, a long time. She's a very accomplished dancer. She's a beautiful dancer, and she's still there, you know, helping these kids. And then, you know, we come back every month, and every month that group of 60 kids is a brand new group of 60 kids, and maybe there's a couple that stuck around. And then the next day we go to the intermediate slash advanced classes, and there's 10, 12, 15 kids that have been in the community a little while and as she said they come and go and so Barbara I'm curious like how what has been some of the challenges for you to hold all that together and um, and sort of basically how do you keep going <laughs> well I don't think it's me really I um, what I think is that I did is I established a custom of we change partners all the time. So we're always changing partners. And and in the lessons we say, okay, change partners. And so it's just a you people expect to change partners. But here we are at this large university with all these students and they're changing partners and close embrace all the time. This is wonderful dating opportunity. And so that's one thing we have on our side is that it keeps people coming back is they keep meeting people from everywhere. And someone um, a few minutes ago mentioned the the word culture. This is the thing that is closest to my heart. I I have seen so many um, sweetheart couples uh, occur as a result of tango mm-hmm. with pe- different people from all over the world. Um, one that comes to mind is a guy from Ghana um, who was elected the president of the uh, the Kojo. club. Yes, for mm-hmm. two years he was he, mm-hmm. he was president of the club, and his and he was God knows how tall he was. I mean, he was yeah. really really tall. Yeah. And really, really, really dark skinned and from Ghana. And his sweetheart was must be half as tall as he is from China. Oh, what's her name? And, ni, ni, ni. Um Ni. And, ni, yeah, Ni. That's, ni. That's ni. What I, I was like, what's the rest of her name? No, that's it. It's yes. <laughs> and and there was there's an orchestra that was gonna play some tangos and they wanted us to perform as eye candy. And so um he, he and his his sweetheart danced <laughs> in mm-hmm. front of a whole audience of people. I mean, it's I just love the culture that these students are taking into the world as a result of tango. 
is they they are comfortable embracing people who are very different. Yeah. Come from very different cultures in the world. Ah, that's beautiful, Barbara. I'm glad you shared that. I, I I've always enjoyed that diversity of tango shared has in that in that sense. Um, so to, least, to, yeah. to answer your question more directly, it's mm-hmm. the dating. It's that we change partners <laughs> all the time. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually challenge that a little bit, and it, I don't think it's only the dating because. Penn State and and like it's such a mix of people from all around the world that come to this little town, university town, and it's allowing people to make friends from the get go. And I I mean it's part of like the curriculum also to push people to some of these social events. So some come to just like get a paper signed in, and then you know they're hooked. Uh, and they connected with people that they become friends throughout their whole time during the university. So I, I think it's in all levels of relationships are being formed. That's what I see at State College. I, I lis- Listening to everybody else, I feel so lucky to not have those problems here. <laughs> it sounds very stressful what you all are going through. But I actually want to relate to what you were just talking about, Barbara, to the other organizers or producers we have here. Um, is that something else? Is that something that you can relate to that you find that you thrive from in your communities that you may live in a place where it's predominantly one way or another, but you go to Tango and it's very diverse and it's very interesting and the community's a little more dynamic and enrichful. Like, um, what do you guys think about that? I'm not sure what you're asking. Me neither. I'm asking if you find Tango to be as enriching in the similar ways that Barbara does in terms of like, it brings you something that you don't find elsewhere in your, in your, in other parts of your life because other parts of your life living in the Midwest in, in like Lincoln, Nebraska or Madison, Wisconsin, for example, you're generally surrounded by one type of people and maybe being in Tango, there's a more diverse community. That's all. Oh yes, certainly. I, 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 well, I mean, I think our communities are only as diverse as in some ways the demographics of where we live, but I would say that in the Midwest, um, I don't know what it's like for you, Candy, but, uh, I think that there is a sort of an ingrained hesitancy to be physically affectionate with people that you're not mm-hmm. sexually involved with. And so mm-hmm. helping people overcome that and understand that the intimacy of the dance is okay. It is a type of intimacy that isn't isn't necessarily um, organized around sex. It's it's organized around being present with someone and being compassionate and respectful and loving in in a more of an agape kind of way, which is not to say that people don't start dating as a result of meeting each other through tango, but but I think it can be very fulfilling for those kinds of people who are looking for um, a, a social interaction that maybe doesn't require conversation, but that enables them to really connect with a person on a very visceral level. But Mm -hmm. also in the Midwest, I think people are hesitant to do that. I I totally agree with you. And I I grew up in Texas, but I moved 
to Nebraska pretty young, so I'm, I'm pretty accustomed to the culture here. But when I started dancing tango, I danced in close embrace from like the very, very beginning. That's all I knew. So it was so strange for me to, to be trying to tell these people, dance close to each other. It's okay. <laughs> and they just had such a hard time with that. And yeah. I think a lot of that is cultural. And I also know that it's just an American idea. It's, I've heard yeah. say that it's, it's also just American. But I think even more so in, in the Midwest, it's like that. Everybody's yeah. very modest here. We're very understated. Yes. <laughs> Except for me wearing my white moccasins. <laughs> so I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you guys how um, you get beginners involved to build and sustain the community. And like, is your communities like uh, Barbara's, we know we're very familiar with, because it's when it's a university involved community, the scene constantly changes because of people graduating, uh, this and that. Like, how is your scene in terms of drawing new blood and all that? I don't, I'm and How difficult now. is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, we, we did, uh, this is Candy. We would do Candy, you disappeared to the background. And someone might be moving a lot, so I'm going to ask you guys to stay still. <laughs> is this better? Can you hear me now? A little, a little better, bit. yes. Not too well. Okay. There, there we you go. go. Oh, Opa. Okay. Uh, in our community, I know we... Um, we would do public events. We actually would plan um, outside dance events and we'd have, we'd hand out flyers and things like that to get people to come. And we always included like a uh, free admittance to different things that they can come to. And also the, the beginners classes. I always had a few classes that were free at the very beginning for them to find out if they liked it or not. So that was a lot of fun. You know, what I was just thinking about the other day was like giving away like little tokens or, or like wood chips or rocks that say like pass it along. <laughs> you know, something that's like kind of cool. And so like you, you have a community and you're like you have a student and you're like here next class here take this token and when you come to the studio or wherever next time it's on it's on us but pass that along to somebody else so that they can use it. And we always had where if you recruited somebody to come, then you would also get something. So it wasn't just mm -hmm. the new person. It was also the person who was bringing in the new person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. In my community, yeah. there is a, a, sort of a, uh, an established tango society that is built on a, a, a kind of a gendered idea of the dance that's very much about pattern recognition as well and not about um, skill and collaboration in the dance. And it's sort of the official mouthpiece for the dance in Madison. And then yeah. there, there are also other teachers who have access to the university scene and they are sort of on-ramps for, for the beginners in the community. Um, 
where my teaching partner Craig and I are teaching, we, we actually end up being sort of the, the second level of, of, of study for a lot of people. So oftentimes we end up getting students who've been studying for a year or two and decide that they want to start exploring dancing outside of town because we're a very insulated, you know, sort of mm -hmm. isolated and insulated community. Not a lot of people travel. Um, our students travel and we will travel with them and we will encourage them to travel. And so we then end up getting students who've been dancing for a while, but who are very interested in um, partaking of, a, of an attitude and a value um, sort of a value and ethics around the dance that is a little more, I don't know what to say, a little bit more inclusive, but mm -hmm. also um, with strong boundaries and with an understanding. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't quite know how to say it, but they, they often end up um, traveling a lot more. We, mm -hmm. we are trying to help our students be able to dance outside of Madison where you know, people dance in small communities, and Candy, maybe this is the case where you are, where everybody dances with each other so much that there isn't a lot of actual communication happening because everybody recognizes each other's tics, and they just, yes, true. They just do true. the thing. We're going to do this all know? over again, yeah. repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, that happens I, between Adam and I. <laughs> like, we, we realize, I mean, we would talk about that, right, sometimes, like we get lazy with each other because we're so familiar with each other's dancing that like when the pandemic happened, it gave us an opportunity. Like when we first started dancing again, we were tuning in with like a different new antenna of depth. Mm. Um, but I, so I completely understand what you mean that like you get used to each other's things and then also it could set you back into some bad habits and all of that like triggers yeah. one another. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I th the way that maybe I define and look at what my community is is a little bit different in, in part because I am not teaching and I'm not focusing just on dancers and also because I'm not focusing on just my own city. Mm -hmm. So for me, because I'm building a very particular type of culture, it, they don't have to be people who ever get into dancing. They could simply come to hang out and enjoy the atmosphere. And so some things that I was like kicking off before the pandemic were like hanging out at a wine bar, listening to Tango Vinyls mm -hmm. and like talking about it because many of the, the local people that I'm closer to actually find the idea of dancing very intimidating. But to me, that's fine because I love the music as much as I love the dance. And yeah. sometimes I go to milongas and I don't dance at all. I just hang out and talk to my friends and listen to the music and admire what I'm seeing and what people are doing and the interactions that they're having. Um, and then even when it comes to dancing, like for me, if I, if I wanted to create the kind of like culture of people that I would like to dance with, then I would rather bring in like the teachers that I really look up to. like yourselves, Adam and Chico, and like a, a few others, right? And even in New York, when I was starting out and creating a practica, to really mm -hmm. facilitate a group of people who would have a similar culture of dance around yeah. me, that practica was also very different. And like, I was handpicking certain instructors because of what I was trying to create. So it's, it's a different concept and a different way of looking at things. And 
And so it's interesting to hear because I think um, everybody else on the line, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like very much about uh, building the community in your city because you, you're all leading or teaching um, and organizing kind of for that, that place. Whereas I think the way that I'm thinking about what my community is, is maybe not specific to say Austin. Well, I also feel Puja, like uh, having been to your events, it's um, well, you also like, let's clarify this. You've done stuff in New York. You've done stuff in London, in Seattle, in uh, Austin. What am I missing? I feel like I'm missing Technically not London, but I did travel okay. all over Europe. Well, you were I... still doing some uh, stuff at your house, yeah. if I recall, right? Yeah. But um, in my experience of your events, that's like unique to some of the way of intriguing beginners reminds me like when Adam and I would do an event at our loft mm -hmm. where we would bring non-tango friends and tango friends together in this casual event where they would be at all but there would be like it was also a house party so they didn't feel like they were intruding into a milonga yeah. as beginners and your event is a higher level of that because you bring artists you bring amazing craftspeople musicians uh, tangle people and then add, I don't know, you had amazing tamales, uh, fantastic cocktails. Like So you bring a very interesting variety of things to the event that if anyone that's not dancing tango is there, they're still having a very special thing, not just because they're seeing tango, but everything else there is drawing them and then they get to be introduced to tango, which is... I think an amazing way to put tango out there into the world. Exactly, and I think that's because like, as I was learning tango with you guys, actually in New York, tango was not, not just the dance to me. It, it's mm -hmm. like such a broader experience that if somebody isn't into dancing, I still want them to be there. I still want them to experience it. So whatever thing is gonna hook them, if it is, you know, having that drink with somebody and, and having that person tell you what they're seeing and, and mm -hmm. like a shared experience for that reason. Or mm -hmm. you're into music, so Austin is the music city. Enticing people to come because it's a concert and not a milonga with live music is, yeah. is a better way to grow yeah. the community. So like I, I try to find all of these other hooks that I've also experienced by going to Buenos Aires. Like every time I have gone, which hasn't been nearly as many times as I wish it had been, I don't necessarily spend the entire time going to a milonga or the entire time going to classes. I luckily have formed really good friendships there and we'll do other things in the city. And like, I know we were talking about like what makes tango tango and to Adam's point, part of it is the language there, but part of it is the city itself. And I like want to bring that wider culture to the experience mm -hmm. so that we can hit a wider range of people. Yeah. You got me with yeah, the, I, with the tamales. You got me hooked <laughs> at once. It's, a, it's a something that we surely import from you guys to here in Argentina and in the in the milongas. Because oh, I have a great tamale place for you here. So oh my lord, yes, I'm, plan she I'm planning to come to, as soon as they I can. I will be there, guys. And I'm kidding. I'm I'm eager to travel, and I think that Okay, I'm planning something to stay for sure, so guys, as you get tuned for that. Okay. This is one thing. Okay. And second thing, guys, that it is 
super nice that you you are it's one of the reasons that I'm so thankful for all of you organizers from an Argentinian point of view is that this idea of community and I'm so uh, thankful for that and one of the reasons why I dance tango besides because I love dancing this is the point one first point is that exactly what you are saying the f- group of friends or the group of people where I can belong and I have a passion in common too. So we have a passion that we can relate to and from there create and, and nurture friendships and and then go to have a brunch in the next Sunday or go to see the soccer game or uh, share a, a Airbnb for a, for a festival. That is tango. Not just going to the Milonga. So I, I love, I'm really thankful for your for your effort. I yeah. have a general uh, question. Yes. All right. Okay. I would like each of you, our guests this evening, to pick an orchestra that describes your community. For example, Ooh. I would say New York is Piazzolla because it's mm-hmm. very hectic yet it's also very simple in a way. Um, and I just don't think there's another tango orchestra that would represent New York. <laughs> maybe like late Troilo, maybe, but, um, but no, I think it has layers. Piaz- for sure. yeah, I, think I wouldn't call it good... simple in any way though, New York or Piazzolla. Oh, well, here's what I, here, here's what I want to say about that Chico. New York is the only city like, not modern city, but older city, that it was the first city to be developed on a grid. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting, chaotic city, but it's also it is, at its first, it's like, structure. you know, I've, I've been walking down the streets of New York and I've heard somebody say like, they're like on 30th street and they're like, where's 46th street? And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, are you fucking asking that question right now? Can you count? And, and, hey, and like, hey, don't tell, and, don't tell our stories. This is private. It's a public event, please. And, and Piazzolla is, Piazzolla to like a basic tango dancer, because it's not like, ching chong, ching chong, ching chong, 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 ching, you know? But it's the rhythm is always the same, whether it's three three two or or whatever. It's so there's all these other things happening, but at the core, it's still. So there is a lot of structure to it that defines what it is, rather than being simple. Maybe. Uh, There's a core. There's this. You could clap it out. Is my point. Like, like New York City is sort of like this. So I'm curious what everybody thinks. Like, do you want to describe your community and your city in, a, in an orchestra. I will, I will, go, ahead, go ahead. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start by saying to Sarley, because we teach beginners all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Barbara. I love Barbara, that. That's great. I was going to say the same score. thing about State College. <laughs> so Greg, Greg wants me, this is Candy, Greg wants me to say Biagi. <laughs> I love Biagi. I love Biagi. Where do you live? Well, well they live in Nebraska. In what Ohio. the fuck? Come on, Biagi, no, Nebraska. I love, really? I love, Bia- I love Bi- Biagi. But 
but he, he, I have to say, he says, because sometimes it's a little scattered and it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. And sometimes you're just not expecting that to happen. And I, mean, I love that. Sometimes um, it gets off the beat. And it's it gets unexpected. Off, yeah, and, and, and you're almost ready. Sometimes you listen to, and I love Biagi, but every once in a while you go, don't you think when they were playing that, that they were going to say something like, let's see if we can get them here. <laughs> like, a little naughty. Trick yeah, trickster. So do you agree with Greg or do you have your own orchestra for your community? No, I, I pretty much agree with him, but I just had to I love it. the conversation. Um, yeah, I'm glad you did. You can yeah. chime in anytime. He he pretty much everything <laughs> I do in our community is, is Greg's involved with it now. At, at the beginning it was mostly me, but now he he shares the load pretty much equally. Well, if he wants to chat with us, he can join in. He just needs to have a female voice when he speaks. <laughs> oh, I want to hear that. Come on, Greg, I want to hear exactly. it. Exactly. Like Adam and Yes, exactly. I think he's going to call in now, now that you said that. <laughs> uh, I think I'd have to say that Madison, I think the a, a large proponent of the community believes that it's Piazzolla, but in fact it's Canaro. <laughs> really pretentious. I love it. I love it. I'm, it's brutal, but I'm sorry. With a Piazzolla with a side of Hugo Diaz. So. <laughs> oh, I love your answer. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Did Barbara responded? Would you? What would your community be? It, well, it, it goes back to kind of like, what do you define as my community? But um, like, I think Austin would very much be El Cachivache, which is why I brought them here, because it's like very funky <laughs> and like a mixture of so much stuff. It's just like got a really blended culture. So I mm -hmm. kind of feel like they're a modern take on tango that's not necessarily like, um, what's the right word? It's not like a strictly classical take. Like you're not going to go listen to a concert of theirs in like a theater per se, but like it's funky and it's like got like this vibe to it that I think is very Austin um, and the live music aspect of it. But like myself personally, what I'm doing, I mean, I named my company Guardia Vieja because I feel like we're at the beginning of something and, mm. and it's kind of like the, the very beginning stages. So for me, I kind of want to pick my, my own favorite orchestra, which is Corsini, because I feel like it's just so in the very beginning of things, and yet it's still very sweet, and it's like, and, and he himself supported so many, like, singers and other, like, bands and orchestras and things like that, and I'd like to think that I'm supportive uh -huh. in that way of everybody around me, even if I'm not the most famous or, like, in the spotlight sort of person, so I would choose that. Um, I love all the answers, guys. And great question, Adam. Yeah, you know something. You sorry to so don't. I think that uh, there is three cities that I feel like they are kind of Buenos Aires in the, in the states. Uh, uh, sorry, too. Uh, New York has a really interesting vibe, like Buenos Aires, and DC, Washington DC, has the two vibes. And uh, yeah, I totally yeah, I totally will leave any of these two cities beside Buenos Aires. And may I I'm planning to move to the state, so get ready for that too. So. Yeah, 
yes. <laughs> Life decisions are being made. Yes. Fun fact, but I also think Piazzolla is kind of perfect for New York because that's actually like in the thrift store is how he got his first bandonion, I believe. Yes. Like his family lived there for a short while. So I feel like that's partly, he's got some New York in his tango. Mm-hmm. No, I totally see that too. I think that was a good choice, Adam. Um, I, I, I have a question. question. Yeah, go oh, okay. ahead. Oh, my question was, because I am curious about what what people are envisioning are, is going, their communities are going to be like once tango starts, you know, if the events start happening again and people can dance again. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, where do you see it? Or is someone I, I don't, to answer? Sorry. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, we we've been pretty much shut down here in Madison, and and you know, people haven't been holding events, and nobody's been, uh, for the most part, nobody's been teaching that I know of. I mean, we certainly haven't been teaching it at our studio, and I I just wonder if if for some communities it's going to be an opportunity for a reset, for instance, a, a community like mine, where we do have factions and frictions, whether or not when people come together again, things will be overlooked or forgot, forgiven, or if people mm-hmm. will be feeling more like cooperating, or um, or if people who were very invested in sort of the power dynamics and the sexism of the dance will have had an opportunity to... Um, look at their what they value is it is it really all about you know flashy moves or is it about connection is it about learning more about the music is it about you know like what Pooja was talking about these other social aspects of the dance right just enjoying being with friends having a nice you know glass of wine and and listening to music um you know I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen for us here. I'm just, but I'm. Well, we've been talking like uh, randomly going back to the subject on the podcast with various organizers or DJs in between us, uh, because we wonder too, exactly like you, Catherine. And we also feel like some of the stuff is going to change. And some of that stuff that's going to change maybe uh, could have been considered negative that will. Uh, find a more positive uh, mm-hmm. outlook and a way to proceed. Um, and I don't know, we even like wonder if the format of the milongas are going to change um, yeah. with some of the rules and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd love to hear what everyone else has to say. I wish I had an answer to that. I think... I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do mm-hmm. in our community when it, it starts back up again. Because um, this has made me look at myself in our tango community differently. So I'm not even sure what I'm going to do when I get back to it. My, do you feel like you're... I was thinking about this today. It was like when we get back to things, you know, it's been a year since things stopped. A lot of people we know left, you know, they left Tango, they left the city they lived in, they moved, they changed their lives. And those of us who stick around, like we're gonna come back to Tango and in a way we're gonna be like the, we're not only like the, the next, the, the, the older generation or whatever you wanna call it, but there's like another layer to it. It's like, we're, mm-hmm. 
we're like, there's, it, I, I don't know how to say it. It's like, not that they're still here, but it's like, um, it's a, it's a different paradigm. You're coming to that, to it with a different perspective because you're different going through this. And Maybe also you've kind of lived through this major, like historical event in it, right? Like, like we, I know for me, at least, I, when I go back to Buenos Aires sometimes, or when there are teachers who are here who are of the generation where, like, they can still remember some of the things that we talk about historically, I think it's, like, you want to sit down and you want to listen to those stories. And in a way, whether we like it or not, we're kind of going to be those storytellers in the future mm-hmm. for those of us who are staying in Tango and yeah. haven't, like, left it. So I have this, I think I have this image what Adam's of- saying, but I'm not sure. Sorry. Go ahead, Catherine. Oh no! I just have this image of Adam opening the the you know the the submarine you know the, the I don't know the top on the bomb shelter and climbing out into the light of day. <laughs> like, is it still there? <laughs> and the trees, you know, it's like it's like a Mad Max wasteland, but he hears tango music off in the distance somewhere, and and, and stumbles making his way towards it. <laughs> I, I feel like well, well, when I was speaking to, uh, I appreciate that that illustration. That's fucking hilarious. But no, I was speaking. speaking more like. I think a lot of us, I think most of us here can relate that we, we sort of came into Tango, we came into a community that was already existing, and we've worked our way up into a position in our communities where we're, we're, we're established and we're leading the community in some way, shape, or form. But, like, after this, we're going to probably be the community, you know? Like, I mean, in New York, everybody that was before Chico and I that was around is gone now. You know, they've finally mm. just moved, they've given up, they've, they've changed their lives. And, and, you know, they've been doing it for 20 years, 25 years, so wow. I understand that. Not everybody, I think, Adam. I think well, they're we'll more opposed. We'll see. We're I don't know. See, we'll but, see. Yeah. I, I, I'm not that confident too many people are coming back, to be honest. Um, and I'm just curious, in your positions, like, I feel similar. I, I feel like you all will inherit this sort of mantle as well. Like, Tango's going to come back, and you're going to be... It's going to be a burden on you to, not a burden in a bad way, but a responsibility on you guys. Because it's already hard enough in a smaller community to maintain Tango, but to rebuild it, to to start over, you know. And I don't mean to to make this sound like this, like, oh, you're going to have to dig yourself out of, but... It's apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) You know... I think the Mad Max image is the best. (laughs) But I'm just curious, I'm curious what you think, like, um, how many, you know, how many people you think will be, yeah, how, after the apocalypse, how many, how many survivors will be left in your community? <laughs> <laughs> and how many will you have to re- have to create? <laughs> I don't know if this fully answers your question, but I'm going to try here. Um, I, I, like, that's a challenge that I've been excited about even before the pandemic, like, because of what I'm trying to create is so different and new. Mm. Um, it's not impacted by this necessarily i mean it is a speed bump or a hump or i don't know something along the way that i have to overcome but like i didn't have like a a large enough traction at this point in time for this to so negatively impact what i'm trying to do i've had to pivot and create different formats like creating a docu-series which i'm very excited uh that you guys were on 
Um, and I've like found that at my day job, like people are more interested in what I'm doing in tango. So I've had the opportunity to teach people who would have never had the time to stop and look at any of this. Um, so I'm kind of excited in that sense. I have a different sort of hurdle that's about to come my way because while most places are negatively impacted by the pandemic, somehow Austin is becoming the next tech hub. So right here, the problem is going to be that like actually the cost of everything is going to go up with the number of tech companies moving in and turning this into their hub. We're wow. going to become the next Seattle or the next San Francisco. And the rate at which that change is happening in the middle of a pandemic when you simultaneously have so many people going through so much loss, there's like an equal if not greater amount of people going through so much gain and that balance is not working out. So I have no idea yet whether the existing community is going to survive that or not. Yeah. And then like, am I going to be the one trying to keep it going? Or are they going to be totally fine and they're going to keep what they're doing and keep going with it, albeit mm -hmm. somewhat separately? Because honestly, um, Texas being what it is, there have been some outdoor milongas and things, which I have not attended. But like, it's not as if nothing has happened here. Um, which again, I'm not gonna say one way or the other, people kind of have to make their own decisions, but um, so it's not, it, there are just so many variables and factors here. Uh, the flip side of all that change is that maybe it becomes easier to travel here if we do get like more amenities at our airport, because one of the things that was hardest for me before the pandemic was that like, it was hard to get to Austin at a cheap and reasonable rate. So even though I had a lot of friends who would be like, yes, I really wanna come to this, they would ultimately look at how much it costs to travel and not come because our bigger airports are like Dallas and Houston. So I have no idea because there's too many factors. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Um, I'm not worried. I think the students will be attracted to dancing <laughs> with each other. <laughs> Well, I'm also, uh, I, I want to, the dating game, but I also want to hear, like mentioned, Barbara's system of uh, milongas and everything, which I think find is very unique that she does this home milongas and almost every other week, Barbara, or are they monthly? It's, it's about monthly and yep. she opens her house and like it will get announced in the big beginner class that adam mentioned before and in the next level classes but sometimes like 60 or 100 people will have that just walked in the door never seen tango before hears about a house party and they end up few of them not all end up at barbara's place along with the existing tango community and it brings beginners into the milonga scene immediately. And then of course she has ice cream and she has an amazing house. They can hang out and party. And are you thinking you're gonna be back to those as soon as possible, Barbara? They, they don't party, Chica. They drink soda and water. Uh, <laughs> they party in other ways, Adam. <laughs> Yes, I think we're going to be doing that again as soon as it's safe. I mean, yes. it depends on the vaccines, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so, and I think food is a big factor. Um, I always have something for them to eat, but people 
tend it, it's it feels like such a community from to me i don't require other people to bring food but they do mm-hmm. sometimes they 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 show off by cooking something that i couldn't possibly cook <laughs> and they bring it and it, it's just a joy it's just yeah. an absolute joy amazing so can we can change I ask gears for a second yeah can i actually interrupt that chico i'm sorry Waiting to ask this question. <laughs> I know, but I. I want, what are you I doing? Want, are you changing I want, clothes? What? I want each of our guests to just tell us a little bit about themselves before they got into tango. Oh, before I got into tango, yeah, I had a total hip replacement. And but you had a total hip replacement like last year too. <laughs> well, yeah, I keep having them, but anyway, but this was my first, my first total hip replacement. And after that ordeal was over, I said, what do I want to do now that I can walk again? And I thought, I want to dance. And so then the students taught me how to dance. And then they asked me to be the club advisor. So that was in 1996. And I've been doing it ever since. So it's the students' fault. (laughs) How about you, Catherine? Oh gollies! Um, well, I have a I have a long history uh, as a um, as a musician Artist. and a theater performer, and had had been doing that sort of off and on for much of my life, and was in a really shitty marriage for like nine years and got divorced and realized that I I really wanted to learn how to dance like a social dance. You know, I I would do shows or musicals and be given moves by a choreographer, but that's very different from actually being able to dance with a partner. Mm -hmm. And so I I started taking tango lessons. And and what I have found is that for me, there's a huge, because I've continued to to do um, physical theater performances, there's a huge difference between how you offer yourself as a performer to the audience and how you offer yourself as a partner to someone when you are just collaborating in the moment the dance, improvisationally. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and for me, it's, it's like these two different sides of the same coin of, of creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find, I find they sort of nourish each other in different ways. Yeah, it's amazing. You also need to teach me miming, remember? What kind oh, yes. of miming was we, that? Um, well, for about the last, I don't know, probably seven years, I've been studying uh, corporeal mime, which was uh, pioneered by a man named Etienne de Creux in, in Paris. And my teachers, who are in their uh, 60s and 70s, um, were his last assistants living over there. Um, and they, they move. They're just unbelievable movers. Um, I've learned so much about the body from studying with them. But it's a... Uh, mm. It's uh, it has its own underlying technique, and um, it's it has improved my my tango dancing immeasurably. Actually, when wow. uh, El- when uh, Alberto and Michaela came out to visit out here one time, they came out and took like a two hour lesson with my teachers and said that it was the best tango class they'd ever had. That's why I want to learn it from you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> me too, me too. I want to. I wear with Okay. Take, don't take my cell. Right. No, he's not the Take my money. Take my money. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> How about you, Candy? Um, I was taking, well, I was doing ballet 
And um, the reason I got into tango was because I, I had some injuries and I, but I just couldn't sit still. So I needed to do something that was dancing that was good for my, my knees. Um, and so I, I took a series of classes and tango was the one I just absolutely fell in love with. And then I like hit the road and started traveling right away to learn as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And I think I took class with you guys like in the first month I was dancing. Yeah, you were. I think it was new, in I Kansas. Remember. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe I was dancing a few months whenever I took that. It was in Kansas City. But um, yeah, I just I had to dance. I just couldn't not dance. Mm-hmm. So Love that. And Puja. Yeah. I feel like Adam could tell my story better than I can. I actually want to tell Barbara's story as well. Okay. I could, tell, I... I could tell your story too, but I, I, I think you should tell your story. You have <laughs> um, 17 degrees. I don't have 17 yeah. degrees. You're conflating it. Um, I do have, okay. So since that's a fun fact that uh, Adam loves about me. Um, I, I do have four undergrad degrees, although I can technically only claim two of them. Um, and I went to law school because my parents are Indian. And if you have Indian parents or Indian people in your life, you know, the only acceptable jobs are being a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. So I, I did it. I went to law school. Um, I was waiting to get my bar exam results and a friend of mine wanted to make a documentary about tango. So he was like, we should, I should probably try it first. And so I had no idea what tango was, but I had free time and no money and he was willing to pay for it. So I took a class with him. That class was actually at Triangulo. And at the end of the first class, he was like, I don't think I'm ever gonna do this. I might still make a movie about it. And I was like, you're finishing this because I'm in love with it. <laughs> um, so, so that is how I got into tango. Funny enough, I actually used to sing a long time ago and was thinking about getting back into singing at that time. And I canceled like a recording studio because I fell in love with tango so hard. Um, and then, yeah, I practiced law for a little while, uh, hated it, finally convinced my parents to let me do my own thing within certain parameters, which didn't mean I got to just go and be a tango dancer, but I still had to have another job, and I got into anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing. Wow. Like, <laughs> wow. Another job that is like, <laughs> yeah, is not so complicated boring. at all. And then she well, got promoted to Facebook, everybody. Law. Yeah, and she got promoted and, to Facebook, y'all. Yes. Yeah. So, oh <laughs> so yeah, I moved. He did say y'all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I say it a lot, so probably rubbed off. Um, yeah, well, with AML and CTF work, I traveled around a lot, which is why I've been a part of so many different tango communities, because I've had to live in different places for work. But then I visited Austin for a weekend, fell in love with it, and was like, I have to live here. And then I ended up working at Facebook, because they had an office here, and they eventually found me, and I found them. So I currently work for Facebook while continuing to work on tango. Barbara. Fantastic. Yes, sir. Was it Paul Mitchell or Vidal Sassoon? Vidal Sassoon. Barbara used to work for Vidal Sassoon in the East Village in the 70s, y'all. Oh, y'all. So cool. Ruby. amazing. She has the coolest story. She's very humble about it. But she lived in the East Village in the 60s or the 70s, Barbara? 60s. 60s. She had two boys. 
she hung out with, you know, she raised them in the, the East Village in the 60s, which was kind of like a resort town back then. And um, she worked for Vidal Sassoon, which Madison I just think Ave- is... He had a shop on Madison Avenue. That's So cool can story. you guys tell the audience who may not know who Vidal Sassoon is? Who the fuck doesn't know who Vidal Sassoon is? <laughs> I don't, no idea. What the- Marcelo. <laughs> if you're not from this culture, you probably don't know, Adam. No, it's not just about the, this culture. But also soon is like, well, I should, I'll, we should get Barbara to tell you since she worked with. Exactly. Office. Well, he had, um, I can tell you the way where he started but since then he's he had expanded a lot but anyway my experience with him was that he had on mad 803 madison avenue he had this the whole building and um at the top there were you know you could get your hair done and there were various things that happened at uh on the floors above the first floor on the first floor he had clothing and so I would be given um, an idea of what to make in a size 6, 8, 10, and 12. And then I would be told to go to the um, East Village and buy the fabrics and the <laughs> everything else. And I would take them home. And while I was nursing my first child, um, <laughs> I was sewing to help support the family while my husband was uh, protesting the Vietnam War and all constantly being arrested because he would not join the the army. Mm. So it was it was I was supporting the family by sewing clothing and then t- putting my son on my back and and taking the uh, the bus or the subway up north to deliver the goods to Vidal Sassoon's glamorous goods, shop. Delivering the goods. <laughs> delivering yeah. the goods. Amazing. I'm glad you brought that up, Adam. Good memory. Wow, beautiful. Wow, story. Yeah. <laughs> you have an amazing memory, Adam. He does. No, Barbara, you he have does. a terrible memory, and you tell me the same story every time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. I'm ouch. just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Barbara, you know I'm going to smack him for you next time I oh, see him. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Barbara, you can tell me the same story every day that you see me. Don't worry. <laughs> Should, well, I tell, should I tell the story about how I started learning tango? Sure. Okay. All right. I had become the advisor of the club, and they were teaching salsa and social style ballroom. And I decided I wanted to learn Argentine tango. And at that time, there were these horrendous uh, videos, like cassette tapes, of <laughs> of of. U- USA type people Whoa. pretending to dance Argentine tango, but in a very ballroomish kind of way. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers this, but it was it was not authentic Argentine tango. But I was attracted to it anyway, in spite of that. And <laughs> it was during the summer, and the club's president uh, said th- that he wanted to work out with me. He wanted us to dance together uh, during the summer. And I said, well, I want to learn Argentine tango. So we, we put the cassette tapes in the machine so that we could see it on the screen. 
And I said, and he, he has a black belt in karate. And I said to him, I refuse to do anything until I feel the lead. I, we're not going to memorize nice. these steps. We're no, not memorizing these steps, but you know, you have to figure out how to signal me without words. And that's how we, we, we and then we started teaching so, um, Argentina can I ask you, in the year 2000. Can I ask you, because we, we spoke about this earlier with Emil, Emiliano and Leandro, how did you know that that was what Argentine Tango was back then? Because did you have a resource to know? I don't remember. Frankly, mm -hmm. I don't remember. All I know that it was that I, I got hooked on it. Oh, I know. I and you know. knew, but you knew it was like improvisational lead and follow. You no. knew it wasn't ballroom. No, I, I remember now. We, um, something tango. It was, it was a, tra a traveling tango troupe. Hmm. Forever that, tango? For, forever tango, yes. I saw them. Um, I in person, I and um, and and that that's what did it, and then that's how I ended up getting the the videos. And I don't know why my instincts told me I don't want to learn patterns. Hmm. Yeah, because even Forever Tango was choreographed, so that, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, and that's that would, the way that's the way Tango was presented in all of the cassette tapes and everything. Is you know you do this and then you do that and then you do that. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I've danced salsa, mm -hmm. and and you you have that that connection with a partner where you're listening to each other. Maybe, yeah. I was salsa. just going to ask that because you dance a lot of other dances, and that might have inspired that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, thanks for enlightening me about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Always. So I want to ask. Uh, I want to ask. Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, unless you have a question, I do, but go ahead. I do. Oh, you know what, Chico, we forgot to do? I have a question that we forgot to do. What did we forget? Oh, wait, hold on. We forgot to do... Uh... Five questions theme song. Five questions. <laughs> five questions. It's a gazillion questions. Five hundred questions. Five hundred questions. Five questions. We're not resetting to five more, right? No. Five this questions. actually... I think this is actually saying last question, <laughs> not five questions. <laughs> uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, teaching, organizing, which we haven't done. All takes uh, a lead, and you guys, as strong personalities as you are, you have taken on this job to lead and present classes or events in your community. But Adam and I do lots of events, and we know this is not something you do by yourself, and you create a team. And I'm curious, like, how you build your team. Do people from your community come saying, we want to help, or you have to encourage people in your community to take on some responsibility so that they're more involved? Um, how does that work for you? Silence. Awkward silence. Can you repeat, it, well, can you repeat the question? Start with the answer, and then repeat with the... I don't know why I'm, e I don't for, know why I'm echoing. For, 
Yeah, for Madison, uh, when I know that when um, Craig and I have organized, we've we have leaned pretty heavily on um, our students, you know, and uh, some of them have offered to help. They've said, "How can I help? What can I do?" And some of them we have very specifically asked to to do certain things, and um, you know, we usually create a game plan and and have a few meetings and strategize how we're going to make the thing happen. That's great. Wow, I didn't know this is such a tough question. <laughs> I, I can answer that too. I think um, similar to, to Catherine's, we, we have some people who just always want to help. And so those are those are the people who you don't have to ask. They just say, "Hey, what do you want me to do?" And and the, and a lot of them get into um, they specialize in something. Like uh, one lady in our community, uh, Pam, she always has decorations, so she usually volunteers to do that. And um, and then you know we have different people in our community who like to DJ, and so we always know we can pretty much depend upon that. This is for bigger events. Um, and also my husband always DJs. And then I, I think sometimes you have to really encourage people because a lot of times they think that they're not qualified or they think they're not good at it or, or that they've only been there a short time. And I think it's important to really get people realizing that every little bit helps. Do you feel like, mm -hmm. right do you feel away. like, am I still echoing? Am I still echoing? Yeah, yeah you are. This is All right, annoying. All right, I'm gonna try again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just going to hang up and come back and. <laughs> he's, he's trying to, to find out. Oh, wow, yeah. And how about you, Barbara? Um, so what I find is that, um, uh, for example, with Malangas, mm -hmm. um, st students have students have a habit of thinking that they um, know a lot, and so a lot of times students will volunteer to DJ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that because they think that their DJ skills are better than mine which is fine that's mm -hmm. just fine um also i in i encourage students uh when we have our lessons i i encourage them to partner with a more experienced so students i encourage them to help teach especially a, a beginner class mm -hmm. um and i just encourage students who are capable of starting out by joining with the leader who's who's teaching and then eventually they become the leaders who teach mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know it's it's just they have an attitude of can do and um and and people are just seem to be eager to contribute yeah i, I don't know how to explain and when why. i mean and you guys feel that there is a it, does it help to allow other people to help or encourage them to help? Oh yeah, they yeah. It's there it, when they're involved. It, 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 I think it depends. I think I 
think it. I mean, I think yes, we need to encourage them, but I think some things I like to reserve for like just me or like. Candy, you're a little too quiet again. Sorry. Okay. Is this better? Yeah. All right. I had to scoot over to my phone. I, th I think it depends. Sometimes I like to reserve certain things that are maybe a little bit trickier mm -hmm. um, for certain people who've done it before. And then other things that, you know, any, anybody can do. I want, I want to have a lot of people who are available to do that. Mm -hmm. Do you think um, it helps? Can you hear me? Yes. All right. I found that it helped a lot to get newer dancers and inexperienced dancers just to like be there to like work the door, help set up the food, yes. anything they could do to feel ownership of the event because, yeah. you know, they feel so outside of it. I can't dance. They can't lead. They can't hear the music, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, right. well, you can do something to be a part of this. You want to be here and you want to feel ownership of that. You know, you don't want to just sit in the corner. So I'm curious, like, uh, your experience engaging people in that in that respect. I think you kind of have to feel them out a little bit because um, you don't want to pressure people into doing things. And I, and I think that has happened. Like, they felt like they couldn't come unless they were working or doing something. But at the same time, you want to encourage them to, to do that as soon as they feel like we are so small that we really need everybody to pitch in. So there's kind of this fine line between how, how much to encourage them to do and then how much to just let them feel it out. Yeah, I, I would say that it, it, when we've organized uh, visiting instructors, we take more of a kind of production-based approach of, you know, assigning people jobs and, and sort of having a game plan. But our monthly malanga that we hold at the studio, people understand that they're certainly free to bring beverages or snacks or whatever they want, wine, beer, um, and and that's a it's a more of casual kind of um, contribute as you will sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, we always have food, so everybody. I always say, please bring food. Don't think that you're bringing too much or too little. Just bring something. <laughs> yeah, I think we like to feed. We like to feed people. No, I think people enjoy offering and in, in, in bringing things to the events for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find teamwork definitely like getting people involved. I always find allow like they own up to it as much as us and they care for it and when like we need more important help later or we're trying to sustain the event they care for it they don't want it to die they don't you know and i think there is something really valuable about that and they will always keep coming back to doing stuff with you or working with you because that's where they feel at home I find that you're you're giving them more of a home than um, let them just attend an event. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's how I feel about involving people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they feel more like insiders. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I think it underscores what what Pujo was talking about earlier with her with her. 
experiences that she facilitates that, um, you know, it's about nurturing a larger culture that mm-hmm. is not necessarily just about dancing, you know, that there is this social aspect, that there yes. is this, um, you know, the, the sense of community is around not necessarily whether or not you can dance. I mean, it, it, I think it's, a, it's actually a very mature way of approaching the community, which is to understand that some people might come to dance and some people might just come to see their friends and have a glass of wine and, and, and that's yeah. all tango. Mm-hmm. And you're also cultivating, like, you're not always taking. You're there yes. giving as well. Uh, and regardless, this is helping with the event or you encourage someone to teach beginners because you see equality that they can do that or you encourage them to start playing music. All of this, like, one... And they're learning more about the social aspect of it or the music or how they would word things in order to teach, like they start thinking and being involved in the learning process, even in, at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And do you think though, to Candy's point, it like very much depends on the person and the, and the people. So like, I, I definitely am a big proponent of teamwork, especially because I don't believe I'm all that skilled at just about everything. But uh-huh. at the same time, I have to be willing to jump in if like things don't work out which happens quite frequently you know like I am finding that it's very interesting and even though I am a millennial I'm at the very beginning of it so I kind of don't count myself as one but the more and more like younger like I don't I don't always assume that just because someone volunteers they're going to show up because nine times out of ten they don't and then like I have to do things however the community and like crew that I've built um uh, whether that's like on my docuseries and the, and the videographers that I work with or um my photographers we're like a family especially because yeah. like trying to do this in a safe way during the pandemic has brought us even closer together I could ask them for a favor for anything and they would do it I didn't mm-hmm. even have to ask somebody like Alberto and Michaela to help me out during Bruce Lee though because we had some <laughs> issues that luckily no one actually realized were an issue because behind the scenes every tango professional that I hired is actually really more of my team and not just because I hired them, but because I've cultivated those relationships. So like people jumped in to help out with lots of things, but at the same time, I'm always, it takes a little while to establish that trust. Mm -hmm. And until I have that trust, I assume that I'm going to have to step in and I, and I'm ready to, because that's what happens at work too. You know, like teams that I manage and I've managed quite a few teams, like up to 30 people. I, I, you kind of have to assess how people are doing and it can also be different day to day depending on what's happening with them. Like with all the good intentions, if somebody gets sick, they get sick and you want to ask them to stay home and take care of themselves while you cover it. So of course, of course. Now all of these are good points. We've, I mean, we've even fired a volunteer once, even though we weren't paying them. <laughs> He's a good friend. Like we have to tell her, like you're fired. Yeah, you never again. You can't do the door ever again because she bailed way too many times, and she's a yeah. great partier and a great personality. But you know, we had to be open about that, and then sometimes we try someone and we realize that's not their forte. So when we're doing like bigger events, we start to get to know people and we know what their uh, strong points are. So we involve them based on their personality yeah. and what we see that they can offer. 
Uh, when and we have is... new DJs, we... Sorry, Puja. Oh, no, sorry. I was going to build on what you were saying. I didn't mean to interrupt. And for, like, when we have new DJs and stuff, uh, too, we always have a backup playlist. And we, if we are really, like, unsure, we can say, you know what? Why don't we do an hour and then see how it's going? And then sometimes we're just like, this is great. Keep going. Uh, so, and then of it's course, like, like, we have to keep some control. Come up with the cane. Yes. <laughs> Everybody boos them. <laughs> me, I, may I tell? May I say a really funny story as a volunteer? Me as a volunteer about this point. Yes. I, I was in in Sweden. They invited me to do a, a workshop and a, a, a demo. One one main milongas, and the organizer he didn't realize that he was booked the same day in another city to do a performance too. But he didn't realize one day, I mean, he realized one day before when the mail was sent, saying, okay, we are waiting for you for this Saturday. So he didn't have any volunteer, just us. It was me and uh, uh, Joanna that we were like uh, there <laughs> doing the show. So he asked us, can you help us? Can you do the milonga for us? And I said, but... I'm going to perform too. Yes, yes. Uh, no worry. I will send you a volunteer for the for the for the entrance. I will send you a volunteer for the for the bar. I will send you a volunteer for the for the for the day. And I said, no, okay, okay. I wait for you. And then I arrived to the milonga. I opened the door as a volunteer, and no volunteer appeared. Like Puja was saying, nine of ten, <laughs> they fell. So I did the entrance. Joanna, my partner, was doing the bar, and then I was doing the, the, the DJ, and I performed the same night. So oh. that was a beautiful experience. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Marcel. Yeah, the, 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 what were you going to say? The, the image of, imagine this, some, picking the money in the entrance for somebody new, and then going to the DJ, play it, and then do the performance. That's exactly what happened that night. <laughs> what were you going to say Pooja when you were about to oh it, it was like a quick point but what I was going to say is um, it, it, it does take time to build an amazing team but it is so wonderful when you do have those people like yeah. having Lori around or like if I ever need graphic design work Jordan is like the person I go to and I don't have to worry about it or think about it, right? Like when you do have the right team, it is amazing because you can actually mm -hmm. enjoy the event just as much rather than just be working it. Yeah. And so even though sometimes it does take that time to find the right people, like I'm always on the lookout for those people because yeah. um, it's, and it's over just time, so rewarding. People get used to your ideas and the way you function. So like once you work more and more together, yeah. it's like just sort of glides. Barbara. Yeah. Yes, sir. Who who helps you in State College? Um. Well, what a question that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Well. You know. Um. Sometimes I just show up and. There are so many people who are capable of teaching in our community, so many students who like to teach that very often I just show up and provide the music and the, uh, 
the uh, chocolate. <laughs> um, that's an example. So I don't have to teach all the time because there are so many students who can do the teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. With the malangas, as I was describing, sometimes people decide that they're better DJs than I am, and so I don't even have to be the DJ. Mm. Um, uh, people, I, I do bring the ice cream. We do have our special midnight ice cream tradition. Mm. Um, <laughs> but um, other than that, I have, a f I have some snacks to start with, but... Before I know it, every the kitchen counters are filled with food that people have brought. Do you think um, everybody feels at home you at think your that place by now? The Tango community would be even in existence in State College if you weren't there. <laughs> oh my goodness! What a question. Um. I think it would be different. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reason is that I tend to, I think I tend to not take a obvious leadership role. I feel more like mom, <laughs> but, but not a very, not a very directive mom. I don't know. I think I leave enough space for other people to help. And when they help, they feel good, I think. Did I answer your question or did I just yeah. go down? Or... No, no, you okay. did. But I think you're lying. Okay. I don't think there'd be tango at Penn State if you weren't there. Oh. <laughs> oh, I That's feel the weight on my shoulders now. <laughs> Aren't you sweet, Adam? Thank no, you. No, you know me. I'm not sweet. <laughs> okay. Even though you're Adam, you're a very nice person. <laughs> Ouch. There is like a there is a there is a knife. There is a knife and a caress uh, at I the same she, time. She's so good. <laughs> She's so good at that. I like playing with Adam. <laughs> Well, Catherine said, Barbara, you're the bomb, but all of you ladies are the bomb, I think, and she's the queen of the bombs for sure, because she's been doing it so much longer than all of us. Um, Adam, do we... It is so, yeah, so beautiful to see such an amount of ladies leading in tango. And if you pay attention in the Facebook events, like 90% of the events of anything that's happening in tango nowadays is led by ladies. And you have here a nice group. So congratulations, guys, to to assemble these Avengers ladies tango. So amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Well, I want to thank you. Unless, Adam, you have another question, I want to thank our guests for sticking on with us for so long. No, I'm good. I think we've, we've covered a lot of taken grounds. up enough of their time. I'm grateful they were yes, all able to be Adam. here with us. Yes, really, we're so really honored. Thank you guys. Yeah, we're so honored. We're honored. I, I have a picture. I have a question. Keep the torch lighting on different places of this country with this dance, and I think it's amazing. Marcelo has a question. 
Yes, a last, a last question. As a as somebody who looks from outside all the work that you do, what is the biggest challenge to be a lady in tango in your uh, experience? Just a quick question. Oh, that's, a, that's a huge question. Yeah. <laughs> that could be like a whole two-hour show of its own. Yes, for sure. Yeah, kaboom. This is me. I arrive and do kaboom. <laughs> we did cover a little bit of the challenge at the beginning, Marcelo, before you. Oh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. So for the next time, so you need to you need to come back again to tell the stories or with my questions. You know, well, I, 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 go ahead, Catherine. Go, I, I do go, have oh, an answer for I, you. Um, yeah, I was going to say that I, I think for me personally, but also I think at a more sort of holistic level is uh, dealing with um, a certain kind of gendering in the dance which supports sexism that is perhaps antiquated. And as we move on towards the future, you know, accepting that men and women can dance either role and that uh, the dance, uh, you know, needs to evolve. So I would, you know, in order to, to, to grow and, and continue to be a living art form. And I, so I'd say, you know, sexism. Mm -hmm. Can I, I, I'd like to piggyback on that, that I have a hard time convincing women to be more empowered hmm. in the dance. And they're, I have found they're afraid that they won't get get dances if, hmm. they're, if they expect a certain amount of uh, behavior or to that effect. And, and, and that's a real struggle for me because I, I will say, hey, you, this is really inappropriate. And then they just roll with it. Mm. And um, that's my that's one of my struggles, Catherine. Also, what you mentioned because I mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. um, because so I get it, I get it on both sides. Then I, I get this mm -hmm. behavior, but then I try to teach the women to not let that happen, and then I don't get any cooperation on that. I see. So, yeah, it's it's a little strange. How about you, uh, Pooja? I, I mean, it's a tough question because I don't think that tango is too dissimilar to like. The real world so it's kind of like what are the challenges of being a woman in life um a lot of yeah. them mm -hmm. and, and like yes, and, yeah. and i don't just see it in tango i see it at work too and yeah like it's it's all it's all very similar stuff i, I think the hardest thing is like we we live in a world in society that's not really built for really strong women and and we're having to go through this process of changing that and getting kind of some more recognition it, mm -hmm. Within tango, I'm just really grateful to Chico, actually, because I think learning tango from such an empowering woman, like, helped me to see tango differently. Like, I do hear a lot of the challenges from a lot of other women and followers who who don't feel like it's as empowering of a role or whatever else. But I think having her as a role model for me didn't make that the difficult part. It was more that, like, the construct is still driven mostly by men and so unless i find the right allies to help like pave the way for what i want to do mm -hmm. i'm not going to be able to do it on my own so i see kind of goes back to the teamwork aspect it kind of goes back to building communities and how do you do that i think like for me it's it's constantly trying to find the right male ally to mm -hmm. be able to pave the way for me to do what i want to do because 
at the end of the day, I'm not going to get a lot of men to listen to me because I'm a woman. I need to get another man to tell them that they should listen to me because I have a good idea. And that's just the reality of being a woman, though, in anything. Like Even in my corporate life, that is half the battle, is that it's not that I'm not smart enough or shouldn't be maybe like at a higher level, but who's going to listen to me Hmm. when like most of the the top-level people are all men? Hmm. They're not, so... To very, me, it's very like good points, all of you. Yeah. And Barbara? Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's an uphill battle. I, you know, I've not necessarily in tango, but in the rest of life, it, mm. it is a handicap being a woman in this culture. Wow. Thank you so much, lady, To Yes, please. Oh, I was going to say, quick story. Uh, this was, uh, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was at a Milonga in, in Madison, and there was a guy who was visiting, and he visits from, actually from Buenos Aires, uh, and he attaches himself to some young beginner dancer follower and uh, kind of, um, you know, creates this whole Svengali persona with her at the Milonga, and he dances with her repeatedly, repeatedly, mm-hmm. like tanda after tanda. And it's always a different one, and he comes maybe once a year, and he teaches on the dance floor. Great. And I, I gave him one people. of my... Yeah, and, and I, I have these little... <laughs> yeah, I, I have these little cards that I started making that I just give to... Um, anyone who's teaching on the dance floor that just says, please stop teaching at the Milonga. Um, and, and when they come off the dance floor, I'll hand it to them or I'll set it down on their table. And so I did this to this guy the third or fourth time he was teaching on the dance floor, this girl that he was literally just hauling around and he's like in his fifties and she's in her twenties. And it was just, Mm -hmm. there was something predatory about it. And so I put Mm -hmm. this down on his table. He found it. He came up to me and he, if, if he had been any more hostile to me, he would have physically assaulted me. He was wow. shouting in my face. He ripped this thing up in my face. He told me, who are you to tell me what to do? You know, and he had, so ironic. He had yeah. you know, he had, yeah. he had given me a cabo. Yeah. He had given me a cabaseo earlier. Right. Yeah. Only I get to tell people what to do. I know. But, uh, you know, he cabaseoed me. Yeah. He cabaseoed me earlier and I turned him down, you know, because I, I didn't want to dance with this guy. And I think he was angry because I he had a certain. You. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so then I, you know, I just tried to wow. discreetly inform him that the way he was behaving was contrary to the values of the Malanga. And he then turned it into this huge scene. And to to the credit of the men that that were there that I knew two of them were martial artists and they just stood about three feet away from me on either side and made it clear to this guy who was literally spitting in my face that they were there if I wanted them, but they were going to let me settle it. And I just kept looking him right in the eyes and I just kept repeating, please stop teaching at the Milonga. Please stop teaching in the social dance. Please stop teaching at the Milonga. And, Um, and he just kept shouting at me. This, this was two years ago. This is like this is this is this happens. This is your event. This is a yes, maybe it's publicly announced, but to me, any milonga is a private event. So if the person who's organizing the event 
is asking you something, the first thing you do is respect that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the organizer. It it was somebody else's event, but nevertheless. Nevertheless, the point was very necessary. You had to do that, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you had permission. Amazing. Yeah, of course, you did. Yeah, but it's just such a sign of bullshit. We. Exactly. You guys need to do a show on this, on just this. (laughs) I mean, because now I'm all riled up. (laughs) Okay, that's why I'm going to change the subject, guys. Thank you, Marcella, for bringing this up. I'm sorry. It's a downhill conversation, so I'm going to ask a new question. Sorry, Thanks, ladies, for keeping you longer. Thank no, you. my friend. I, no, I think I, seriously. I, I something I can. Sorry to 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 say, and I will not say anything. So on anything else, I feel that that conversation that just you ladies shared with us, it is educational. Many of Absolutely. us, many of us, many of people who is listening, listen to this podcast and will listen to this podcast. It's important for all of us to hear your voices to hear your stories, to hear what you live, how you live it, and what do as a, we as a society and as a tango community, we need to start to listen, just fucking mm-hmm. listen. And then when we fucking listen, then, then we start to do something about these guys of 50s. It's around, around the world doing the same cheesy and really stuff. And, and, and our young, young, young kids, young girls falling in those, this, I will read out, I will teach you the real tango. Uh, and, and if we don't listen, what, what do you guys have to say? How we can help or how we can change these things? So thank you so much for educating me. Yeah, no, thank you, Marcelo, for asking that question. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm joking, but it is a, and it came up earlier in the show too, and the challenges, but we didn't go deep into it. And I'm glad you brought it up again because I, uh, it's this not is always easy to share this stuff. So I'm thanking also everyone for being very open about sharing their experience. Kaboom. Kaboom. So may I ask another question? Yes. With all everything yes. that we talked and everything, and especially after the last uh, bit of the conversation, what is it at the end that makes you keep going back to doing what you're doing? What's the reward for you? What's the thing that makes you smile at the end of the day? About tango. <laughs> About I can, I can go first if you guys want. <laughs> that was fun. Um, I think uh, for me, like, in many ways tango is like the place where i have found like my personal community and and that's why i keep trying to like create this culture of like where and and what the environment is that i would want to live in like i haven't found that with any other group of people um whether that be like my family or the indian culture or or like and like my high school friends or whatever else like for me this is like my opportunity to build like the type of community and the type of culture that I wish I was living in. And mm-hmm. so the, it's, it's a pursuit to have like something better for the future. And hopefully, you know, what, 
the story that Catherine's telling hopefully is not something that will ever happen at one of my events because I would like to think of myself as a strong enough leader to call it out and, and to have people like her there who would equally call it out because I can't be everywhere. But like, mm -hmm. I hope to create a culture where some of these things that maybe we don't love or like, you know, we have the opportunity to change as we move forward and that can only be done if, if we're gonna roll up our sleeves and keep working at it. That's beautiful. Thank you, Pooja. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. We should do that more. Yes, I agree. Drum rolls and uh, claps. I'm so glad now. you guys can't see my face right now because <laughs> you actually got me like turning red. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> How about you, Wonderful. Catherine? Um, I guess I would say that as a social dancer, what brings me back to tango over and over again is sort of the that sort of electric, that electricity of finding a connection with somebody that I've never danced with before and and realizing that we we can know each other and we can accept each other and we can make something together. As a teacher, I think what keeps me doing it because I don't, I don't make a living at this in my community. I, I do it out of love mm -hmm. is to see how the dance can help people unlock themselves, how they can become embodied. They can, they can find a deeper yes. relationship with, with themselves, either physically or emotionally or spiritually um, or socially with other people. Um, it, to, to be someone who helps them, helps lead them, helps guide them to themselves in a way. I love that. I love that. Beautiful. Thanks. Candy or Barbara, who wants to go? You're not, I'm not going to skip you. We have 12 more <laughs> minutes on the show, okay. so don't worry. We won't keep you another two hours. Well, uh, I can say something. Sure. For me, I think it's joy. It's just fundamentally joy that happens in a number of different ways. One of them is the joy of dancing with another person, the, with the, the dialogue that goes on between the two people while they're dancing. They're listening to each other and really be, being with each other. For me, it's also the joy of sending all these students out into the world after inoculating them with the vision of what a community can be like and, mm. um, and seeing them go out into the world um, with an attitude that is, is they, are, they, they embrace people from all different who speak all different languages, come from all different countries, and have all different skin colors and heights and weights, and <laughs> it's that—it's the joy of all those things for me. So, uh, briefly, it's it's joy, and it's, um, I explained more about what, where it's coming from. That's that's amazing. There, you guys are making me. Oh, I'm about to cry. Marcelo is probably crying already. Mm -hmm. Well, before, no, I, I mean, before I'll... you cry, we have to hear from Candy. Yes. I'm, I'm thinking, thinking without speaking for once. 
<laughs> you know, I I think my reason for coming back to it over and over again has changed mm -hmm. over time. Which, if you if you're going to do something over over time, and you're changing through that time, then your reason for doing something I think needs to grow mm -hmm. as well. Um, when I first started Tango, it was just, it was all so exciting and it was all so fun. And being a strong person, it was nice to be in an activity where I didn't have to be the strongest one and leading the way. I got to really pay attention to my partner and, and try to figure out and try to understand and cooperate. And, and not that I don't do that in my regular life, but it was a unique experience in it being nonverbal hmm. um, because we're, we're such a verbal uh, society that that's how we communicate with each other. And so having something that was completely nonverbal was just fascinating. Hmm. And, and so the idea of that just kept drawing me back to it over and over again. Um, and then, and then whenever I started traveling, that brought a whole new, another element to it, which was, was, it opened me up to the world in a, in a different way. And, um, and I think Marcelo, you said this about earlier about being able to travel and not being a, even speaking the language and you can still, you can still um, participate fully participate. And, um, so, so that's what I, that was probably the next stage that, mm -hmm. that really brought joy. I'm going to take all of the 12 minutes you have left. <laughs> um, sorry, but I, but this really means a lot to me because I've changed. I've been dancing about 12 years it's, and I've, it's I've down evolved. to six minutes. Candy just so that. You know. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but now that Greg's doing it with me, Greg's my husband, for those of you who never met him. Now what I love is that it's something we're doing together. Hmm. And and he tempers me in a way and that nobody else does. So on on at times when I'm frustrated and I, I just don't know how to, to perceive things and organizing, he always gives me a different perspective and um that helps me keep coming back to the joy hmm. of it. And it's also a shared activity now. Yeah. Um, you know, we danced I danced for probably five years, I think. You'll probably correct me after this show's over with. Um, <laughs> five years. And everybody was so confused as to why a married woman was traveling all over the U.S. to dance tango. And they probably thought that I was, you know, meeting people and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff I shouldn't be doing, which was not at all. It's just I love dancing, and I wasn't just going to wait for him. Mm -hmm. But eventually he realized, hey, she's not moving on to a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, I better join her if I'm going to spend any time with my wife. <laughs> it's true. So I, I think having him part of it is being part of that is also what, what now brings me joy. And like I said, after this pandemic's over, over with, we may uh, participate in a completely different way. We're not yeah. sure yet. It's still yeah, in the year. Yeah. And your answer goes back to what you were saying, like you don't know about that because you have to find the new, new, new reason and the reward. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah. Now I'm crying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I knew you know, it. We've come You're a so long way. We've come a long way because Marcella used to pass out on the show. All the time. From the disgusting that, conversations. And now that's true too. Evolved to love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I can make him pass out in like a second. No, no, no. Let's I'll stay with the, with the beautiful <laughs> image that the couple dancing. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes it's not so beautiful, but hey, we love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, to watch. Sometimes, you know, when you're a couple, you like argue with each other sometimes. And, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, now everybody <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. The best dances wow, that, I, that I had in my life were with my couples. That was uh, far, far more than any fight or any kind of partner. So that's why I'm crying. It's that's true. why. Well, thank you so much, guys. All of you have shared oh. so much with us. And it's we were really looking forward to this episode. And oh, we always feel honored to know you over the years. And Catherine, we know you, but we've gotten to know you a whole lot more during this show. Um, and it's been a pleasure. I, I, I'm truly, I don't know how to, what the right adjective is, but um, I'm, I'm really happy that we had tonight to share with you. We're mm. honored. I, we love yeah. you guys. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for inviting us. Well, thank you all. And uh, yeah, we will look forward to seeing everybody soon. Cleveland, end of July. Yes. I think we'll I think we'll make Definitely. it happen. Yes. And otherwise, yes. somewhere in a community near yep. you. Yep. 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 I promise yes. I will not cry there. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll promise I'll make you cry. How about that? That's going to be our goal now. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck, Chico? What the fuck? What the fuck, Marcelo? Uh, you know the... Uh, who's the poo? Winnie the Pooh. Marcelo, you like Winnie the yeah? Pooh? Yeah. How so? Yeah, more or less. Kind like, of. What? Stuffy. <laughs> You know Winnie the Pooh, Catherine? Yeah, yeah but I, I'm not Winnie seeing how is he like Winnie the Pooh? He's so sweet and sensitive and oh, Pooh Bear. Yes. <laughs> are you are you chamusha with me? But you are with Carol. <laughs> I think he is. He is. <laughs> oh dear God. Watch out for this one, Marcelo, when you see him. Oh Pooh Bear. Uh, I'm friend. I'm, I'm friend of Sharon, so I cannot. Sharon is my friend. I cannot do it. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna make you cry, right, but you I think he has joke. other intentions for you. Watch out! All right, everyone. Candy, yes. Candy right, and I can guys. make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> How so, Catherine? I want to know. <laughs> oh, it's been so good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, here. thank you so Thanks, much. Thank you all. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all. Be Love well. You. Thank, thank you, you so soon. much, guys. Ciao. Thank you so much. Ciao. Ciao. Yes, at the Falcon. Good to see you. Good to see you.
Y con café te conformó. 